Podmortem would like to thank Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Original Cinematic is a production company that has made it their mission to create, produce, and promote films that are inclusive, honor women, promote the LGBTQIA community, and provide prominent positions and roles to POC actors and filmmakers and promote the films of marginalized and underrepresented populations. These are all things that are extremely important to our podcast as well. Original Cinematic is proud to be a WGA signatory company, and they fully stand by the WGA and its members and their fight for extremely reasonable standards. Accordingly, they're not accepting scripts or treatment submissions at this time, but both William and Zena Rush are available via email free of charge to discuss writing and provide input and resources to all aspiring writers. Their information will be made available in the show notes. Ahead of the strike, William Rush has individually produced numerous projects, including Coffee with Baba, Day by Day, They Slay, Before, Pack is Here, Abiquue, The Winemaker, and Where Do You Draw the Line? Two feature films, Group and Immersion, are slated for release this fall. Absolutely no picket lines will be crossed and no collective bargaining agreements will be violated in the making of either of these films. And very generously, Original Cinematic is providing all Podmortem patrons with a special link to view these films. If arrangements can be made, they will even schedule a virtual or in-person screening for our patrons. We cannot thank Original Cinematic enough for their contribution to our show and the horror community as a whole. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee hunter Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the Thurman Rose Garden, discussing the 2001 psychological horror film, Frailty. This film was directed by Bill Paxton from a screenplay by Brent Hanley. Part family drama, part horror of biblical proportions, Frailty provided early 2000s audiences with a thrilling experience. With excellent performances, a southern gothic sensibility, and a surprising twist of an ending, Frailty is widely considered an underrated film of its era. This film was the winner of our June Patreon poll, so thank you to all of our patrons who participated and voted. If you want to help us pick an episode, join us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash thepodmortem. So, Frailty, what were your first impressions on the film? I remember watching this movie once a long time ago, like mm-hmm. a little after it came out, and then that was it. And then I watched it with your sister, and there's times, and I, I get it could be a little frustrating. I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and then she'll show me, and we get like two seconds in, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this whole movie. Oh, no, <laughs> It's very frustrating because I'll get so excited. Oh, you haven't seen fill in the blank? Oh, my yeah. God, I'm so excited to show you. And then... Oh, I know this one. Mm. He blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Well, whatever. Hey, I, I try. I'm a goldfish. All right. I got no memory. <laughs> um, when I watched it with your sister, I was like, oh, yeah. But there was a lot of stuff that I forgot, too. 
So watching it again, I was like, oh, oh, shit. And then watching it for the show, there also was other things that I noticed. And I was like, oh, all right. Um, there's some stuff going on in the movie. Fair. Um, <laughs> well, I don't want to give really <laughs> no, no, no. stuff away, you know, things <laughs> yeah, you away can. in the movie. But um, <laughs> it, I did look at it from a different kind of point of view, being older and watching it. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of, uh, I don't want to say concerning like uh, i mean it is concerning but you know <laughs> um but yeah it was re- really good movie still really good like very very good movie everybody does a good job in this um and i was i was just like man this is fucking great like this is a really good movie yeah i love frailty i've always loved frailty it's one of those movies and it's weird what movie at that age you choose to kind of hyper fixate on. Mm-hmm. But this was one of them that we watched over and over and over and over. Okay. <laughs> like we watched it all the time. Yeah. Um, it's great. I am a, I've gone on record multiple times sucker for a twist ending. I feel like this one, the execution of it is really great. Uh, it was the first time I ever saw Matthew McConaughey, being serious yeah um i won't say it's the first thing he ever did serious first thing i saw him be serious right. in and then it's like <laughs> he's got oddly defensive well because you know people are gonna be like well, well he, he actually yeah, yeah, yeah right. um it's like yeah i know okay <laughs> i was what 12 when this came out give me a fucking break yeah i was gonna um, say this is what oh one yeah, yeah, yeah i was not well versed in matthew mcconaughey some time but um <laughs> there wasn't a lot of mcconaughey to be well versed in right yeah unless but he made 50 films like, yeah. <laughs> shut up Dave. <laughs> sorry 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 daisy's um, confused yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but for me looking watching this from you know in 2023 it's like oh you can see because everybody was so shocked and blown away um in true detective yeah, yeah. and it's like he always had it you know what i mean mm-hmm. it just but whatever um <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that i will say and i do i still really i still really love this movie and i know that at least part of it comes from that hyper fixation and really like adoring it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But I think that it is a, like you said in your intro, incredibly underrated. Frailty is one of those movies where you meet somebody that's seen it and you're like, Oh yeah, fuck right. you know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody talks about it or I yeah. don't, I don't see anybody talking about it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so defensive. <laughs> you're just like paranoid. I talk about frailty all the time. <laughs> I'm getting hate mail. Um, <laughs> I think everything's going to be okay. dude. <laughs> I think, I think it's going to be fine. I think this movie has me on edge. But <laughs> um <laughs> it is an edge of your it, seat. It is. <laughs> uh John Paul last night, you know, you kind of vaguely said here about kind of taking it in a different way now that you're older mm-hmm. and you mentioned something last night and then when we met up this morning, T mentioned the same thing and it's kind of like um kind of fucking with me a little bit so I'll be honest I'm still processing that as we're sitting here talking because and obviously we'll get to it but it makes the film uh kind of infinitely scarier yeah um but you know we'll we'll get into it but I'm I'm still unpacking that uh, as well well see that's why I like I want to say things and I'm like yeah it is concerning and it is whatever but yeah, I, we, can't, I, we yeah. can't yeah yeah we haven't even done the spoiler alert yeah yet. No. no so gotta be real careful um, yeah, yeah be, tread lightly um, but no, I, I think that this is great. I think that Bill Paxton does an incredible job in front of and behind the camera. Yes. I think that he does great work. I think that the even the you know the kids are really great. Um, it's just it's just 
great. I think I think it's a really fucking good movie, and it kind of bums me out that more people don't give frailty its flowers. Mm-hmm. It's roses. Ah, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. That's important later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you had said, we watched this a lot when we were younger. Yeah. Saw it, I think, for the first time. I was I was ten years old. I was probably younger or the same age as these kids in the picture. <laughs> so oh, you were shit. real fucked yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> so it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> no, but it really did scare me. I I didn't quite grasp why mm-hmm. or the I guess the depth or the implications of some of these yeah um, ideas. And so, like you had said, watching it as an adult, it's like, huh. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a different experience. I will say something just a very funny aside of the mind of young Travis is um, on the DVD cover. It says it's something like an edge of your seat thriller, which is why I just referenced it. Yeah. yeah. Stephen King. And so in my brain, I was like, wow, I can't believe Stephen King wrote the frailty. <laughs> 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 and so this whole time, like my entire life, I thought Stephen King. Really? Yeah. I thought, well, maybe not my entire life. I was like, oh my God. You're like, until and, today. Until yeah, today. Until he wrote it, right, guys? Yeah, I swear to God. Um, well, what's not in my intro? What? Well, um, it, but it has, and it has Stephen King kind of sensibilities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when I learned that Brent Hanley kind of leaned a bit on Stephen King material okay. to write something like this. It makes more sense, and young Travis doesn't seem so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, too, though, as kids, we just see it, and then we're taking it for face value what it is. Yeah. We don't fully grasp, you know, what Stephen King does no. all the way or what every <laughs> all of his work. Or what a blurb is. Yeah. I, say, I, so do, I, I do love the prospect of Stephen King writing this and him being like, this is fucking, yeah. this is edge of your seat shit Well, right yeah, here. it's an elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you need to watch Frailty. <laughs> um, but it it's a lot of things. It's a family drama. Mm-hmm. It's a supernatural mystery. It's a gothic horror story. Right. And I I did want to I, I looked up because a lot of times when you hear uh, gothic in terms of literature and films, mm-hmm. it's not what we think when we hear the term gothic. Right. Yeah. It has nothing to do with Susie Sue or The Cure or anything like right. that. Yeah. It's basically um, any kind of piece of media. Or literature that deals with terror, supernatural implications, family secrets, the past revisited mm-hmm. in a new context, or having a bearing on the present. I guess the past coming back to haunt you. Yeah, think yeah. Sutter Kane, dude. Yeah. <laughs> in about the madness. Sure. I mean. But this has the strong familial implications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really does lean very heavily on the family drama in a way that I did not appreciate as a kid. I don't think that you can fully yeah. appreciate the depth of it as a kid. No. Um, and the other thing about it is <laughs> I don't know what it is about me. I am a non-religious person, mm-hmm. but something about religious horror fascinates me. Yeah. Any kind of exorcist movie, uh-huh. any kind of thing like this, I'm very interested by it. Okay. But um, I don't know why. <laughs> because it's it's could be real life yeah you know what i mean and it's not everyone obviously please don't be mean to me (laughs) you're really i'm worried (laughs) have people been saying things (laughs) no but anybody who believes in anything enough can take things to an extreme that is harmful or Mm -hmm. dangerous and so that is you know there's a bit of that real world um I think we talked about it in uh, St. Maud. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's, a, there's that. Uh, 
anything that potential anything has its extremes yeah right. and that's kind of a terrifying concept yeah. yeah and it and this revolving around the family yeah like that's it's it's rough it's heavy um i did want to talk a little bit about the production all right because there was a few things that fascinated me from this uh making of documentary mm-hmm. i also listened to the director's commentary oh i need to my my sources uh for the gothic literature thing i i read like the britannica and wikipedia and all this stuff mm-hmm. just to point it out <laughs> i don't want people to be like wow travis came up with i didn't <laughs> do that at all <laughs> that wasn't you me at all. discovered a new genre right. and i'm proud of you um thank you <laughs> <laughs> But um, the script from Brent Hanley, it was there was elements of the Old Testament mm-hmm. as an influence. Stephen King, he said, uh, the 1955 Robert Mitchum movie, The Night of the Hunter, was a big influence. Okay, um, and Leonard Cohen, huh? Which we love, yeah. yeah. Um, but it comes to the producer David Kirshner. And Kirshner is kind of an iconic horror producer because he produced all of the Child's Play films. Oh, shit. He also, he's uh, helping um, work on the series as well. Oh, nice. Very nice. I just want to point out that John Paul's wearing a Chucky shirt right now. I'm trying to appeal to him. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know this, but Kirshner is credited with creating the animatronic Chucky doll. Oh, sweet. Hell yeah. I don't know that he built it, but I think he designed it. He was like, guys, why don't we make a doll? (laughs) (laughs) I want Put my name on it. (laughs) We all know how cool Chucky looks. I mean, (laughs) Um, but the thing is, is that the script comes to Bill Paxton. Yeah. And Bill Paxton is becoming attached to play dad. Yeah. Yeah. But after he gets attached, he talks to Kirshner about it. And he's like, you know, I don't know if we put this in the hands of any director, what will happen to this story yeah yeah if it'll be sensationalized if it'll be kind of milked for its melodrama mm-hmm. he goes so you i think we need to put this in the hands of a very capable director and i think <laughs> it should be me yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> but kirshner was like all right yeah and so whenever they talked about it it became bill paxton's directorial debut yeah and you can tell that he is more than adept yeah. oh yeah and more than rose to the challenge I, it surprised me that this was his debut yes yeah. and the fact that just what he read hit him so hard that he was like i don't want anybody to fuck this up like yeah that's the energy that he brought to it i mean i think that it really shows i think mm-hmm. he did an oh, excellent yeah. job and i the the film the cast and crew are stacked with texans yeah. yeah and as people from texas like there is something very texan about this film yeah, yeah. and you can feel it it, it, oh, le- yeah. it leaves off the screen I didn't um with a, with a yeehaw. I was, <laughs> it's love me. <laughs> I was a little bothered that they named the town Meat. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're fucking jokes yeah. to you. <laughs> but you're also Texan. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we destroy this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Pod Mortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's work through our list. So the film begins with the opening credits in white, over sepia-toned photographs that fade into the frame from blackness and interlay over each other. My first note is that it's funny to me because I feel like in the early 2000s, we got a lot of openings like this. Yes. Oh, yeah. Where you have credits, but then you have a bunch of shit going on in the background. It was just like decoration to me. Like, I feel like I did not fully comprehend that they're laying out very important shit yeah. <laughs> in the background. 
because this is all very important. <laughs> I think I was just entranced by it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I will be honest. I didn't pay attention to it because of that. Yeah. I was like, well, this is just of its time. It's just for me to keep my attention while they're showing me all the players in the movie. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I really didn't. I was just like, oh, it's like come you, on, come on, come on. <laughs> you take it more <laughs> as like, like tone. Yeah. You know? you're just, um, and we said the same thing on, on uh, identity. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, yeah. they're telling Dude, us oh everything. <laughs> identity. They give away the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, all right, oh, sure. <laughs> cool. can we get to the motel? Yeah. <laughs> but accompanied by foreboding strings, we see the front of a house as well as farmland and a newspaper headline reading, Mystery of the Butchered Body Still Unsolved. This is followed by a man in a suit and a hat pointing out to the land before transitioning to what appears to be a forensic investigator analyzing skeletal remains. This cuts to a crucifix necklace resting in someone's open palm, and we get the title, Frailty. So the music is great in this film. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to call out the composer, Brian Tyler. He recently scored both Scream films for Radio Silence, mm-hmm. but he also scored Bug, Ashley Judd, Oh, and Constantine. Hey, oh. all right. Very nice. But the opening credits continue with the montage of photos, more pictures of houses, crime scenes, and a newspaper article reading, mutilated body identified as Perkins. And I'm like, all right, can we just get to the yeah. <laughs> It's like, dude, they're talking about some real shit. Yeah. Right <laughs> but this is followed by a set of fingerprints and crime scene technicians testing blood found on a piece of fabric. Another article, and now you might want to pay attention to this. <laughs> it reads, second victim found in God's hand case before showing a photo of police officers at the scene of a crime and a search party being led through a field. We then see an article reading, Sixth Victim Found, which is interlaid over a shot of victims' buried remains. So, according to the commentary, these photos in the montage uh-huh. are actual old crime scene photos. Oh, oh wow. Shit. Bill Paxton apparently collected old magazines of forensics, and they just used them for the film. Oh. That's really cool. Yeah. And it was the editor's idea, Arnold Glassman. He said, you know, I know you want to do this. And I know you because it's kind of an homage to Hitchcock with the swirling stuff. Yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. But Glassman was like, why don't we also reference the plot, man? And that's why. He's <laughs> like, oh, OK. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess we could. So it was just going to be tone. <laughs> Nobody yeah. pays attention okay. back here. <laughs> I don't think Nay is paying attention. Yeah. So. <laughs> but with the colors inverted, the camera tilts around the moniker God's hand before it dips down to reveal the FBI headquarters building in Dallas, Texas. We see on-screen text telling us that it's 10.25 p.m. So I will say, um, this film being very Texan, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Paxton actually grew up in the DFW area. Oh, nice. And I remember whenever I went to the Sixth Floor Museum as a kid in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Was Bill Paxton there? No. <laughs> He's just shaking hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bill Paxton. Um, no, but there's a photo of... Um, the parade with uh, JFK. Yeah. And whenever he left the hotel in the morning in the crowd on his, I think uncle's shoulders is Bill Paxton. Oh, oh yeah. I did see that. Yeah. yeah. So okay. it's wild. What a life. Yeah. yeah. But very interestingly, not one frame of this film was filmed in Texas. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but it still has the vibe. It does. It does. Like yeah, you, it does. you have to give it that. Yeah. It does. They I, did well. I would never have guessed that. Not at all. It was like no. California, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, that's that's really impressive. Yeah. But a car pulls into a parking spot in front of the building and out steps FBI agent Wesley Doyle, played by Powers Booth. It's Curly Bill. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tombstone. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. You know, and it, that's okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Bill Paxton said that they met, and that's why he cast him in this. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. because of Tombstone. Can we just talk about his name for a second? Oh, it's great. That's, yeah. that's wild. Great. Can you imagine having to live up to that name, though? Powers yeah. Booth. Fucking watch it not be his real name. Yeah, I know. You know what? <laughs> name I always thought was cool because it's like the same word twice was Rip Torn. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> rip Torn. That, again, but you got to live up to that. Yeah. You got to you know? rip yeah. the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to be ripping phone books yeah. for people. It's, you got to be an insult comic. <laughs> <laughs> but as Doyle walks inside, he notices an ambulance parked out in front of the building. He asks the operator sitting at the front desk, played by Gwyn McKee, what the ambulance is doing outside, and she tells him that she'll check it out for him. The camera pans past an FBI's most wanted poster to find Doyle walking through cubicles and past his colleagues over to the desk of Agent Griffin Hull, played by Dirk Cheatwood. They exchange pleasantries, but Doyle looks into his office to find a man sitting in a chair. He asks Griffin if that's him, and Griffin says that it is. He admits that the guy might just be some crackpot, but he figured that he'd call Doyle anyway. Doyle asks if the man asked for him by name, but Griffin says that the man simply asked for the agent in charge of the God's Hand case because he has important info on him. He didn't say why, just that he'd only talk to the agent in charge. Doyle enters his office and meets Fenton Meeks, played by Matthew McConaughey. He's high. <laughs> you know, he is. yeah. I, I remember he came here. I don't know, probably last year, and went to the Waterburger drive-through, mm-hmm. and it was all over Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> well, I go to that Waterburger. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like so exciting. Yeah, well, I know he's, uh, but he's he's from not too far from where we live. No, I saw a clip from a long, long time ago that he was on some show and they asked him about living kind of in the middle of nowhere. And he said that he comes to Walmart and San Angelo, Texas to buy beer and condoms. Well, but I didn't I even mean, live here or we well, didn't live here yet. There's a, there, you did. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> there is a Walmart coming in from the road that leads to the little town where he's from. And the Walmart does have it is, yeah, beer, beer and condoms. condoms. I feel like it's a little personal thing. <laughs> <laughs> Telling people those purchases. <laughs> so on commentary, um, Bill Paxton talked about casting Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. and Dirk Cheatwood and a few other people because they were all in a movie together called U571. And it was like a war film. Okay. But you notice a lot of the people that end up in this film are either previous colleagues of bill paxton mm-hmm. personal friends of bill paxton <laughs> or just people he th- thinks are cool but yeah. we, we always love when directors do that though. of course uh, we've talked about it before with um with mike flanagan he uses his buddies in the same thing yeah. uh-huh. adam sandler does that shit a lot of those quentin except, Tarantino. yeah 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 quentin Kevin he's Smith. A, yeah yeah oh it's never a bad thing no yeah, yeah. we love that yeah i would do the same thing hell mm-hmm. yeah so before I continue, I'm going to let everyone know I'm going to have tr- a lot of trouble saying this name. It's either going to be Fenton and very proper or Fenton. <laughs> I cannot yeah. get used to this <laughs> name. <laughs> so Fenton <laughs> asks if Doyle is in charge of the God's hand case and Doyle confirms that he is introducing himself. He holds out his hand to shake it, but Fenton just hands him a photo from his desk asking Doyle if that's a picture of him and his mother. So my one complaint uh, going into this because I've been very excited to cover frailty mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, my only complaint was I already fucking know everything. That was, that was <laughs> I was like, I, I would love to be able to sit down for the show and watch this 
blank. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, but the other side of that is you catch all these moments of foreshadowing and that was one of them that I that you don't it doesn't mean anything until you have seen it and you know and then you're like oh my god that's right you know yeah. um and for a couple reasons here mm-hmm. with what just happened so i mean that's a treat you yeah know? i think um that's one of the best things about movies with twist endings is the are the ones that inspire you to go back yeah, yeah. and this Ooh, one we just talked about that yeah yeah but with a smile, but somewhat sternly, Doyle says that he would appreciate if Fenton didn't take things off his desk. Fenton apologizes, but admits that he has been here a while and that he's already had a look at all of Doyle's plaques and citations. But he motions over to a wall of gruesome crime scene photos, admitting that he didn't care to see those, though. I Right before he said that, I was like, I can't believe they let him wait in yeah. there with all those crime scene photos on the wall. That's also very true. Um, yeah. because, I mean, <laughs> take him to a, a, what do you call it, like a meeting conference a conference yeah. room yeah. because if this dude is saying oh i have information on the god's hand killer and then you put him in a room with a bunch of pictures from the god's yeah. hand killer case yeah. you know well, what if well she was blonde well you can see that she was blonde right there you know what i mean it's like um, but what if his information is i am the origami killer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what if that, what if that's his information well, he can just leave what you're talking about the origami killer yeah they said <laughs> it 50 said different ways <laughs> Nobody said origami the same way. Where was quality control? <laughs> like at least get Ran one, out of money. One no, uniform. Right <laughs> one uniform way to say it. The budget went to making her dance at that nightclub. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> put all sink all the money into that, apparently. But regarding the crime scene photos and Fenton's hesitance to look at them, Doyle seems a little annoyed. He's like, everybody loves my murder wall. <laughs> <laughs> but he quickly changes the subject, asking Fenton for his name, which he provides. Now it is very important, if you've never seen this movie before, the key to enjoying this movie, if you're seeing it for the first time on Amazon Prime, or feel like browsing IMDb, don't, mm-hmm. just don't, don't do either. Yeah. Because if you pause the movie on um, any moment, you're going to get something you don't want to see. Yeah, I was appalled. And again, grateful that I've already seen this a million times because I was like, you got me fucked up. And that's <laughs> not the first time that Prime has done some bullshit like that yes either so it's like you know don't i don't like it <laughs> be careful yeah no, yeah i'll agree because i had kind of forgot and i <sighs> did not pay attention mm. to the bottom at oh, all thank god so <laughs> when you said something i was like no i didn't look and i'm glad i didn't because then it, it would have ruined it yeah it's kind of unbelievable yeah. it really is but fenton sighs admitting what he's about to say might sound a little crazy but he knows who the God's Hand killer is. Doyle responds incredulously, saying he'll bite and asks who. Fenton is mildly taken aback, saying that Doyle hasn't even heard him out yet and he's already being doubted. But Doyle explains that with a case like this, it doesn't end with someone just waltzing into his office and telling him who the killer is. It just doesn't happen like that. Fenton, however, counters that sometimes truth defies reason, and he reveals that the God's Hand killer is his brother. Doyle asks what makes him think that, and Fenton explains that he got a call from his brother last night. This triggers a flashback, and we find Fenton sitting on his couch at home, shirtless and drinking a beer. I wonder if this was in his <laughs> Makana track. <laughs> I had the exact same thought. It's like, if, if he's going to be shirtless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the telephone rings, and Fenton answers it. 
A frantic voice on the other end blurts out that demons are taking over the world. Fenton immediately recognizes this voice as Adam Meeks, his brother played by Levi Cries. Adam says that he can't destroy them all, and Fenton sits up, setting his beer down and asking his brother if they can just talk about this. But Adam says there's nothing to talk about and that it's over. He tells Fenton that no matter what happens, he has to take him to the Rose Garden. He promised. Fenton tries to get his brother's attention, but Adam just reminds him of this promise again before hanging up. Adam then paces around his house and then stands over by his desk in front of a pin board, which is complete with a collage of photographs, religious iconography, and jewelry. Johnny Cash's version of Peace in the Valley plays in the background as Adam takes a gulp of whiskey, reaches into his desk drawer, and pulls out a revolver. He cocks it as the song reaches its conclusion, and as we cut to an exterior shot of his house, we hear a gunshot. Johnny Cash was perfectly used. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um... I just wanted to really highlight, I read that Bill Paxton, like you said to you about kind of like the Hitchcock influence, there are a lot of moments of uh, violence Mm -hmm. coming. This was one of them. Mm -hmm. But you don't explicitly see almost anything. Yeah. And the, the cutaways, I feel like it's just as impactful. And like thinking about it, what, Bill Paxton was worried about if somebody else got their hands on this and it being, you know, like blood all over the walls and but like that really would, I don't want to say ruin it, but it would be a completely different movie. Right. I think it would put the emphasis on the wrong things. Yes. Yeah, there you go. The subtlety with which the these things are used, I feel like it the restraint is really um like masterful. That's why it is very surprising to me that this is the first thing he directed. Yeah. Yeah. Because his his uh Vision seems very clear mm-hmm. about things like that because, you know, I feel like the temptation would be there to right, right, because the things that are happening are horrific, uh-huh. and it, it would be easier to kind of lean on that to illustrate it. But I, I feel like it's almost more chilling, yeah, leaving us to fill in that blank where we right. know what happened, but you know, well, there's a lot of Hitchcock influence in this. Mm-hmm. And like you had said regarding uh, Bill Paxton, that was one of his major influences in direction, period. Okay. Oh. And he had said explicitly calling to mind Hitchcock's Theater of the Mind. All yes. Right. And yeah. so you do see a lot of um, interesting cutaways, but it doesn't take away from the brutality. No. Not at all. That's It almost, you know, underlines it in a way that being kind of a... Uh, I don't want to say distracted by the gore or whatnot would it would make it something completely different. Right. Yes. So, I mean, he he uh, he did that. He, yes. he Yeah. He walked the walk with this. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really it's it's very like uh, mature almost the way yeah. that he did it and he's not throwing birds at people and shit (laughs) not one bird i didn't hear one bird (laughs) (laughs) i I watched a lot of shit (laughs) (laughs) you gotta give it to him but back in doyle's office he looks at fenton confused and just says the word meat fenton explains that this is where all of this happened a town that's about 200 miles west of dallas just north of abilene Want to point out? <laughs> yes. We're about eighty miles from Abilene, and I'm yes. like, I've never heard of any meat to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out there is no meat, Texas. No, I, thank yeah. God. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> offended by the name. Um, I was, <laughs> I but I was like, you know, you live nowhere. Where I was like, yeah, Abilene. Yeah, it's <laughs> an hour and a half away. Yeah, man. I was all excited. Yeah, <laughs> their mall's better than ours. <laughs> it's way better. They got a zoo, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, could have called it anything. Yeah. Went, yeah. Went with meat. Yeah, that's a bit odd because like there's so many different communities and and counties and all kinds of shit in Texas. You could have named it anything. Yeah, you could have named it a kind of like brisket Texas. <laughs> yeah, even I that. believe no, it. Yeah. Oh, be, definitely. Be more specific. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> be more delicious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that barely any of this film really takes place in meat. Right. It's either in Dallas. Thurman. Thurman, yeah. Uh, or I guess on the way to meet. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> is very odd. <laughs> very odd. But Doyle asks why he went to Thurman then, and Fenton explains that he had to bury Adam in the Rose Garden because he promised him he would a long time ago. So here's the thing. <laughs> You're saying a lot of stuff that requires a backstory. <laughs> yeah. You've not... What Rose Garden? What the fuck are you talking about? A promise. <laughs> You've not provided a backstory yeah, for you, this. You can tell me your story uh-huh. and let's go visit where your brother is or where we need to go. Yes. Yeah. And you can tell me in the car, but what the fuck are you talking about? What Rose Garden? Yeah. What, yeah. what, what does that mean? Is that a meat Rose Garden? Yeah. <laughs> and there's rules to burying people, dude. That's a crime. Yeah, you can't yeah. do that. You just admitted to a crime. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he also... Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but Doyle says that the whole thing is a wild story and he doesn't understand what any of this has to do with the God's Hand Killer case. Um, like, did you listen to... I said my brother's the God's Hand Killer. That directly connects to your case. It but... does. And then we've been speaking about my brother for five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but all right. Fenton just puts it plainly. Adam is the God's Hand Killer. He's the man they're looking for. Doyle is kind of a dick about it, though asking if Adam told Fenton that before he asked him to take him to Thurman because he left that part out. That was my next note is why are you being so rude? And regardless of whether you believe, you know, fully what he's saying or if you're confused or whatever, this dude did just lose his brother. That like that, that he's just told you that. Yeah. And you're being very rude. Well, <laughs> he he told him that, but how does he know he's telling him the truth? Yeah, but how about I mean, how, I, I know he is. Of, hey, no, I, I agree. Yeah. He is being a dick. But I mean, also, you just came in. It's 1030 at night. This dude's telling you some shit. What what are you talking about, dude? Like, Every, what the fuck? Everyone has different interview and interrogation techniques. I'm just saying I don't like Doyle. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I feel yeah, like no. You, <laughs> you need a partner. Yeah. yeah. This is not working out. Um, Honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I meant flies with honey. I didn't just want to talk about honey for a second. Yeah. <laughs> but Fenton stoically replies that he hasn't finished his story yet. And Doyle's like, oh, there's more. Yeah. Fenton just says, yeah, there's a lot more. Well, start talking. I'm giving some time. (laughs) But Doyle excuses himself from the room to make a phone call. So I want to ask real quick. I know, yeah, Doyle's being a little rude, but how long are we going to entertain this for? Well, I mean, the story's just started. It's very interesting. Right. If this is my case and I cannot find this dude and somebody just walked in with potentially a bow slapped on it, I'm entertaining it. Maybe not alone. The things that he does later, I wouldn't be doing that by myself. Okay, yeah, but yeah. No. I, w- I would entertain it. Tell me what you have to say. Where does your brother live? What you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we're gonna invest. I don't care that it's ten thirty at night. No, I agree. This I'm is my case, to- and yeah, no, I'm I'm locked in, and I would be a lot nicer. <laughs> he really did just blow this case wide open. I'm, yeah, I'm saying no, if you're yeah. telling the truth, yeah. it's done. You can take down your fucking murder one. <laughs> 
but we see Becky, played by Missy Kreider, sitting behind the desk at the meet sheriff's office. She answers Doyle's call and tells him that the sheriff isn't in when she's asked. Doyle just explains that he has a man named Fenton Meeks in his office, and Becky reacts immediately with disbelief, asking what Fenton is doing there. Doyle is surprised that she knows him, but Becky tells him that Fenton caused a ruckus in Meat earlier today, which ended with him stealing an ambulance and his brother's body. That's what I was like. He did worse than just the bearing thing. He, yeah. like, <laughs> he stole, stole the body. <laughs> I, I will say um, her reaction is very strange to me. What's he doing right. there? Yeah. Like she's making it like I haven't seen him since high school. Yeah. yeah. But it's like he stole a course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a lot more important. And an cause, ambulance. Because a little bit. You know, boys will be boys. Yeah. You know? oh, wow. Some of them steal ambulances Meat. and bodies and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here just, in brisket, we do things. Yeah. <laughs> we take care of our own yeah, brisket. Those old brisket boys or whatever <laughs> we take care of our own brisket and brisket oh okay fair enough BYOB. yes smoke it slow <laughs> that's our that's our motto in brisket. <laughs> it's on the town low side. and slow <laughs> so we're eating his brother yes all right <laughs> we are we're now cannibals <laughs> yes <laughs> we're cannibals here in brisket <laughs> That's how she answers the phone. <laughs> Doyle's oh like, what God. the fuck? <laughs> Get out of my office. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but Doyle looks over to his office window before rejoining Fenton. Fenton asks if his story checked out, and Doyle says that it absolutely did. Fenton then asks plainly if that means he's under arrest, but Doyle says that the sheriff in meat is willing to overlook the whole thing so long as Fenton brings the ambulance back. They take care of their own in brisket. <laughs> <laughs> and Fenton just remarks that you gotta love small towns. <laughs> See? Low and slow, baby. <laughs> but Doyle is still confused, though. Why would Fenton go through all this trouble just to come and confess this to him? Fenton just says that he's here because he can't live with what he knows anymore. Very important line. Mm-hmm. And it really feeds into something we'll get back to in the third act. Mm-hmm. But Doyle, almost suspiciously, asks exactly what Fenton knows. Fenton just leans forward, looking at the photo of Doyle and his mother again. <laughs> we see a younger Doyle standing in his uniform with his mother, played by Betty Garul, holding a certificate from the FBI. Doyle confirms once again that, yes, that's his mother. And when asked, Fenton tells him that they have the same eyes. Doyle just changes the subject again, asking how Fenton knows his brother is the God's Hand killer. Fenton says that he knows it was him. He says it all started back in Thurman. So you've known this whole time, man? Well. well. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about that. <laughs> no. Why can't we just act like we're in brisket and you just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're you right. can't. Let's just play a harp and go back <laughs> to 1979. <laughs> And Paxton resisted the urge to play Smashing Pumpkins 1979 over this. So again, I just, because I would have succumbed to the temptation. I honestly, I want him to. (laughs) (laughs) I love that track. (laughs) That's just the end of it. But we crossfade to the blue sky of Thurman, Texas in the summer of 1979. The camera dips down to show a school bus slowing to a stop to let out young Fenton and young Adam Meeks, played by Matt O'Leary and Jeremy Sumter, respectively. 
If I may, okay. if you'll indulge me for just a moment. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Jeremy Sumter really quickly. I knew you would. Really, I want to talk about a movie. He was <laughs> <laughs> so this was 2001 mm-hmm. and just four short years in 2005, he would make a t- TV movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Called Cyber Seduction, His Secret Life. Cyber Seduction, colon, His Secret Life. All right. Um, one of the worst things I've ever seen. I watched it so many times because it was very funny. Uh, he's on the swim team and he gets addicted to internet porn. And it's like a cautionary, like, what are your kids up to movie? Yeah. Oh, my God. I watched it so many times. I only bring <laughs> it up because I want to know if any of y'all saw it, too. <laughs> Just like a Hallmark movie? It was like, like a lifetime. lifetime, maybe. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, oh, it, man. No. It, yeah, it no. is a blast. You made me watch it with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember I remember it. Watching it on the phone with my friend Eric. I remember making you watch it. Yeah. And I remember watching it many more times after that. <laughs> um but yeah, did any did any of y'all see that? <laughs> like, and, is, and is it scary enough to cover? <laughs> <laughs> Can I somehow get it on the schedule? Hey, your birthday movie's coming up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> But the boys walk together down the street as the school bus pulls away, Adam singing the Christian song, Joy in My Heart, but Fenton refusing to be his backup to sing Where when he's told. Adam lets him know that he doesn't have to sing it, he can just (laughs) say the word, and so a reluctant Fenton joins his younger brother in song. The boys walk into the Thurman Rose Garden as the song continues, and Fenton gets a little more into it. Yeah, they were really fucking up the pacing of that song. Oh, they were. (laughs) Well, because Fenton's half-assing it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I did want to say that originally written in the script, this was taking place in Tyler, Texas. Okay. And that's a real place. Yeah, which yeah, is real. Yeah. But Bill Paxton changed it because they also have a public rose garden. Ah. And he was afraid that with what we see in the film, people would... Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. And... <laughs> but as they walk among the roses, Fenton recounts a girl who threw up at school today, how nasty it was, and the boys <laughs> <laughs> laugh, remembering that the principal fell in it. Yeah. What a slapstick day y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. a fucking cartoon. It, yeah, they they their school is a film from the twenties. <laughs> <laughs> but adult Fenton narrates, telling Doyle that they lived just behind the Rose Garden in a house where they used to keep the gardeners in the nineteen fifties. He explains that his father got a good deal on the house back when he and their mother got married. That would be cool, but very that close to a park. You got to think about the maintenance, the lawn care, yeah. the leaf blowers, the like everything. Like, yeah, that would be cool. But then, then there's bees. Then there's like, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. But <laughs> no, it just made me just laugh. waiting in the yard. <laughs> like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> the bees are back. <laughs> then you gotta run. Hey, I don't, I don't want to run through a bunch of bees. <laughs> Can we make absolutely not? Can we make friends with the bees? Yes, yeah, they're cool. Not the but bees. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have to always be like that. They, they do everything really for us. Yeah, they do get mad, but they're very important. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> why the bees. <laughs> I love the bees; they're great. They are and the honey. bees. I was just yeah. talking about honey. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> but as the boys continue to sing, we see them enter the house, and we cut to a little later when Adam is watching television in the living room. I did want to point out um, the exteriors of this house: the backyard, the front yard, the rose garden are on location. Okay, but the interior of the house is always a set. Wow. Yeah, I never tell. It's it's well, very yeah. well done. Um, they had actually talked about it, Bill Paxson on commentary, 
the studio that they were filming out of the lot. Mm-hmm. Just outside of their lot, uh, Reese Witherspoon was filming Legally Blonde. <laughs> And so he'd come out um, looking worse for wear. (laughs) And he'd be like, how's your day going? And she's holding a tiny dog or whatever. (laughs) She's like, what? Like, it's hard? (laughs) That's great. Uh, (laughs) Is it just me that it doesn't sound right that those that these that they were made at the same time? uh, It's strange. Frailty and legally blonde. That just doesn't sound right to me. If I'm being honest, I feel like I want to say that legally blonde seems older, but I I, kind of. Well, I was surprised when we started working on this. I was like 2001. Yeah, Yeah, it's wild. What the fuck? Uh, To quote one of the lead actors, time is a flat circle. Yeah, (laughs) it truly is. But as an alligator whips around some foolish man on the television, Fenton cooks dinner for them in the kitchen. Adult Fenton explains that Adam was three years younger than him and that their mother passed away during childbirth, so he took care of him for about as far back as he can remember. He says their father was a mechanic who worked in Jupiter and would usually be home around 5.30 and they would all have dinner together. We see Dad Meeks, played by Bill Paxton, deep into his work at the auto shop. Then we fade to him arriving at home that evening as Fenton finishes making dinner. So I will point out his name is Dad. Yeah. He does not have a first name in this film. Yeah. And so we refer to him as dad. Well, I mean, again, we're really relying on adult Fenton Uh as our narrator. And that's who he is. That's dad. Very true. true. I will say it was very funny. Um, I did see a QA and a because they were asking, you know, a lot of actors have ambitions to direct. Mm hmm. But they asked Bill Paxton why he chose this project. Right. And he said the reason why is because he knew. <laughs> and I can't tell because he, he his humor was very like. Dry. Yeah. He said that he knew that the only person that could get this performance out of him was him. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes places. Hey, though, you know what? I did notice a lot of that in the movie. And I do mention of it later. You can tell, like he's fucking giving it what he needs to give yeah. it. Yes. So if you if you're the only one who can get that kind of something out of yourself, fuck it. That's <laughs> fine. It yeah. That is funny though. That sounds like something that our dad would say. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but dad washes up and compliments Fenton on dinner, asking how his day was. The Meekses then sit down to dinner, and Adam shovels a ton of peas onto his plate. Dad says to save some for the rest of them and that with as much as Adam loves peas, he better be careful because he just might turn into one. So this is a creature feature. <laughs> yes. <No. laughs> He's like, I sure do love peas. <laughs> I let that boy eat the goddamn peas. Hey, Finn yeah. made so many peas. Let him get. Why did he make so many peas? Because <laughs> he knows Adam loves them. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> but I mean, it's sad about the mom that they yeah. lost their mom. He lost his wife. But it seems like they have their own little routine, mm-hmm. you know, not going to comment on the parentification of Fenton. We'll just put that to the side. Right. But, you know, they have their own routine. They seem like they love each other. They seem yeah. happy and healthy. And I mean, it. nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that's ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird. Possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah. But he then asks Fenton how he did on his math test. And when Fenton doesn't respond positively... Dad just says that he was never good at math either. Fenton stresses that next week's math test is going to be more difficult, but Dad just promises to sit down with him this weekend so they can figure it all out together. So as you said, it's a regular life. Yeah. Uh, Dinner, help with homework, Mm -hmm. casual threats of anthropomorphic vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) Regular. Any family. Every family. 
Um, and I want to say, <laughs> Bill Paxton just has that presence that you feel like he's a nice guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's something, um, they had talked about it. As far as places to take this character, mm-hmm. he never loses that. No. no. And that's very important because the places that this story goes, you could see Jack Torrance. Literally. Yeah. Literally, yeah. But you can tell like throughout everything, he loves his kids. He's trying to do what's best for them yeah. mm-hmm. in his own mind. But that night in their bedroom, while looking into a jar labeled Curtis that I think contains a centipede. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I never saw the bug in there. No. So I assumed it was a tarantula. I read that it was a, people thought it was a centipede, but it was a millipede or the other way around. Which one's bigger? All right. I don't know. All right. I don't want either of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good on both, honestly. But Adam asks his brother if they can go see meatballs after school tomorrow. Fenton declines since they've seen it already and says that they can go see the Warriors instead. Adam says that they can't because it's rated R, but Fenton says that they can just sneak in. This is a very important character moment Mm -hmm. because when you think about which kid sticks to the rules and which kid is going to defy them. Yeah. That's very interesting. I was just distracted by the fact that he's like, we'll sneak in. And then dad walks in the room. He's like, yeah. shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I mean, we'll sneak into the back of the yeah. church and pray. Or, I don't know. All day. <laughs> we're not going to go see, we weren't even going to see meatballs even. Father. My dad. <laughs> but dad does walk in exactly at that point in time. <laughs> but he asks his kids if they've brushed their teeth and they say that they have but dad tests Adam's breath by having him breathe into his face. Dad reacts like a cartoon, collapsing <laughs> dead from an imagined stench, which makes Fenton laugh. Adam goes into defense mode like Nay's been all day for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but dad- <laughs> I did brush him. <laughs> but dad calms him down with a kiss on the forehead. <clears throat> he shuts off the lamp, remarking that he knows Fenton is too big for a good night kiss. And after talk of good night and bed bugs biting and whatnot, Dad just tells his sons that he loves them and leaves. Now in the dark, Adam really pushes to see meatballs again. (laughs) And Fenton tells him that he can go see it all by himself and that he'll go see the Warriors. Adam complains that he doesn't like seeing movies alone, so Fenton relents, and it will be meatballs once again tomorrow. Yeah, just go with your little brother. Just go watch it, and then the next time, he's like, no, no, no. We went twice. Uh Uh-huh. Let's go watch the more Warriors. More than twice, because it's like, we've seen it. Oh, well, then, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You get one more. We've been then watching we more Get one more meatball, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> then we got to sneak into the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I did read Bill Paxton had said, because in the original script, the movie, because it's 1979, mm-hmm. the movie was going to be Alien, and that was going to be what was in the script, but Bill Paxton was in the sequel. Ah, uh, <laughs> And so that's I was like- right. Probably shouldn't yeah. say that. I would have yeah. been like, we'll go see Alien. And, and the next one, I bet there's going to be a real, yeah. you know, great fucking dude in it. Real familiar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't put films in my hands. I guess. <laughs> you're just talking into the camera. <laughs> Nay. You're not These even, things could be Bill something. <laughs> you're not even, something playing, not even playing dad anymore. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but over a shot of Fenton in bed, adult Fenton narrates that this was their family. Just the three of them. All of their parents' relatives had passed away, so it was only the three of them left. But he says they didn't mind, and they didn't need anybody else. They were happy together. Until. Young Fenton stares up at the ceiling at the light fixture in the dark. 
It suddenly springs to life with light as Dad rushes in, frantically waking up both boys. He tells them that he has to tell them something. He calms them and sits down next to Adam. He then says that they need to listen very carefully because something has happened. Was anybody else surprised that this was the same night? Because I thought he was just giving us a little like peek into their lives and then was going to like say later what happened. But literally that night where we're all joking about being peas or whatever, like... (laughs) Joking about being <laughs> turning into them. Yeah, this yeah. weird Kafka esque. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare, really. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um that same night. Yeah. I mean, it, it made it even scarier for me because it's like we everything was fine. Right. Well, I like that um switch from normalcy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, Doyle's like, I don't have time for my- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, let me tell you about a random Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying this happened last week? <laughs> No, get to the part with the thing, yeah. God's hand. <laughs> but we flash back within this flashback to dad asleep in bed. A baseball game is heard on the television as adult Fenton explains that his dad said that he had a vision that night, a vision from God. We see dad waking up, rising in his bed as an angelic choir begins to sing, and a trophy on the mantle that appears to be an angel begins to glow from an unseen light source. It shimmers in the light, blinding Dad, who shields his eyes. Adult Fenton says that an angel came to his father that night and told him the truth of the world, revealing God's special purpose for him and his family. So, originally, they had in this scene a full-on angel materializing in Dad's bedroom. And they realized that maybe that's a bit too much right now. <laughs> well, my yeah. note was, can we see the angel? <laughs> <laughs> see, and my my entire thing about this was I was glad we didn't see the angel. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, I was like, hmm, are we preserving ambiguity? Yeah. That I like. Mm-hmm. Go, go on. <laughs> okay. But dad tells his sons that the end of the world is coming and the angel showed him that there are demons among them released by the devil onto earth for the final battle. He says it's being fought right now, but nobody knows it except for them and others like them. Adam says that he's afraid, but dad tells him not to be afraid as they've been chosen by God who will protect them. He says that God has given them special jobs to do and that they don't need to fear these demons because they destroy them. That's God's purpose for them. Fenton looks on incredulously as dad says that the angel called them God's hands. Fenton's face is like, mm, hmm. <laughs> like, are you, do you think maybe you had a nightmare? Yeah. Like, yeah. How have you been sleeping? Dad? We're supposed to go see meatballs tomorrow. <laughs> like, this is a lot to, this is a lot. Does this affect meatballs viewing? <laughs> <at> all, <or? laughs> so I should have gone to the warriors. Got it. Damn it. Always go with your first mind. <laughs> uh, I I don't know what's scarier. You saying you had a vision from God? Are you actually having a vision from God? Like, are you sure? Are you uh, like? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's scarier. Well, for me, because the way he's explaining his plan, it just sounds like you want to murder some people, dude. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just. It's like demons. I haven't seen I've, any demons. I don't, I don't know what the fuck you're that. talking about. And it only gets worse. It only gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can just put a period. Yeah. <laughs> but Adam asks if they're like superheroes and dad's like, yes, son, that's exactly right. We're a family of superheroes who are going to save the world. Fenton says that it doesn't make any sense, but dad swears it's the truth. When Adam asks him what their superpowers are, 
Dad explains that they can see demons while other people can't, and that God will be sending them three weapons to use to destroy the demons. Adam asks, magical weapons? And Dad goes, I imagine so. (laughs) Is there any other kind when you're God's hand? (laughs) Fenton's like, can I go back to bed? Yeah. (laughs) But Adam asks when they get these weapons, and Dad says that the angel just said soon. But there are rules. They can't tell anyone about this because it would put them in danger. Dad recognizes the look of worry in Fenton's eyes and tries to quell that feeling. He says it's a lot to understand, and he even wanted to take some time to figure it out for himself, but the angel said that he had to do it now. Dad asks Fenton if he understands that Judgment Day is here, and soon they'll all be in heaven with Mommy. Mm-mm-mm. Yours... That's not as comforting as the way you're saying yeah, it. No. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> that is fucking scary. It feels heaven's gatey. Yeah. yeah. It feels uh Jim Jonesy. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> we we're just talking about meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Right. We we're supposed to go to the movies and yeah. come do this shit. Lay this on me. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of the night. Lay this bullshit on me. But as his dad continues, adult Fenton explains that he didn't know what to feel or say then, and he didn't realize that in that moment, his world had been flipped over, and that under that world were dark things under there, very dark things, and his little boy's mind just couldn't take it. There's some really fucking great lines in this movie, Mm -hmm. and that was one of them, Mm -hmm. I thought. I um, also appreciated the cinematography in this section. Mm -hmm. Bill Paxton pointed out that whenever he worked with this artist, David Ivey, Mm -hmm. and they designed all these really intricate storyboards. And when you look back and forth, he followed the storyboards to a T. Oh, nice. But um, this scene was supposed to be dad on the bed with both Adam and Fenton. Okay. But the way that it's shot and shown in the film is you see the seeds of division already being sown. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. the camera pulls back on Fenton. The camera pulls back on them. It's them getting further apart. Damn. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Yeah. But we fade to black and then into the next morning as dad calls out waking up his sons. He comes in completely normal, telling the boys that they overslept and need to shake a leg and get dressed. Fenton looks petrified and Adam asks him what's wrong. Are you fucking for real, <laughs> yeah. Adam? Do you remember having the scariest <laughs> conversation <laughs> of your whole of your entire life? <laughs> He's like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, that's weird. I'm fighting for my fucking life, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrified. Dad, Finn's acting weird. <laughs> well, <laughs> but we don't, like, I waking up and then everything just being normal. Like, is that a, was that a fucking nightmare? That's fine. Yeah, I would hope. Yeah. You know, that, that would be, I, I feel like I would also, at that age, question if that was real absolutely like that would be fucking bonkers for my mom to run in there and wake me and my brother and be like like i gotta tell you some shit yeah it's gonna get weird but listen it's like i and then what? the next morning she's yeah. like time for school boys yeah, i'm going like, to work you guys <laughs> what oh, okay but fenton just quietly answers nothing the car ride to school is uneventful the boys sitting in the front seat with their father Adam sharing a bite of his breakfast with him even. What is Adam eating? I, I Okay. I didn't know. I've um, always yeah. wanted to know. Bill Paxton said on commentary, because this moment was improv. Mm-hmm. 
It was toast. He was like, give me a bite of that. (laughs) (laughs) Give me your damn sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, dad. But um, the thing was, is that he had said that the actor who played Adam, he was so young when it comes to improv, he doesn't have any bad habits yet. He doesn't know, you know. Oh, I guess that's true. Bill Paxton's the director. So he's like, okay, here, take a bite. (laughs) (laughs) And it just worked. It was a very nice moment. It was. But adult Fenton says that he assumed then that it was actually just a dream, just a nightmare. Nothing that crazy could be real and everything was okay just like before. Yeah. I mean. We can hope. Yeah. Dad parks in front of the school and his boys get out of the car. He tells them to have a good day and to not tell anyone what he told them last night. (laughs) Fuck. It wasn't a dream. (laughs) There are a few things here. One, and I I am going to say this again as the movie goes on. Uh I would throw up. Oh, yeah. Um, secondly, <laughs> why are you yelling that out of the window? Yeah, because Remember yeah, to keep no, that yeah. shit a secret. The other kids are like, what's the secret? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Adam's super chill about it. Yeah. And he's like, I won't, Dad. I promise. <laughs> but <laughs> Fenton stands there frozen. Well, yeah. God, uh, how, I'm, uh, how much would that fucking suck? That, that, again, wake up, like you said, everything's fine. It's like, oh, no, that was just a bad dream or... I that fuck a nightmare, whatever that was. And then just like everything's fine. And right before you got to go into school to focus, learn, see your friends, whatever. It's like, hey, don't tell anybody that crazy shit. <laughs> like, dude. By then you could have convinced yourself. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, it's been all morning. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody said nothing. Oh, Dad, that was nothing. Uh, You're just eating toast two seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Fenton turns around to his father as he drives away. In class, the teacher, played by Rebecca Tilney, leads Fenton's English class in an exercise on the chalkboard. As the camera presses in on a very uneasy Fenton, adult Fenton explains that he refused to believe it at all, saying that the whole next week was just a dream too, even when their dad started bringing home the magical weapons. It is not fair. Like John Paul just said, he... He already said the last night at dinner that he was struggling in math. Yes. Yeah. Why would you lay this shit on him as he's watching? You you expect him to just go and get good grades and, and be able to focus now? Well, but he's like, it's also very important. You don't tell him. Yeah. That. <laughs> watching him in the classroom, it just made me sad. Well, like, yeah. You're not hearing anything. Yeah. You you can't be hearing anything that's being said. Well, did he expect Fenton to take it like Adam did? I can't. Because Adam's like, later, Dad. Well, because, yeah, yeah, I I think that he sees this as such a wonderful thing. It's not something to be worried about. It's not something to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. It's judgment day. We're on the good side. We're going to help God. Why why are you upset? I think he's like... Remember, guys, yeah. we have this amazing secret. Like, I, it's it's like, damn, dude, I'm struggling. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not even there. No. But he says his dad was on his way to work when God called to him. We see dad driving down a rural street, but something forces him to stop. He glances over to see a barn in the distance, a beam of light reaching out from the sky and in through the roof of the structure. That's God's finger. He's pointing pointing at it. You know, um, I was just, I was going to say, I I always thought sunbeams were cool. (laughs) That's about it. That's as far as I got. They are cool. They're very cool. That's not what I, I I see there's a a quest or an item I need. Uh, There is no. It's a side quest. Yeah. Um, the obvious, the beam of light was CG. Right. Um, they did say that they found this barn at the end of the shoot. Oh, wow. And so this, him coming up to the barn is one of the last things they shot for the entire film. Oh, nice. It works, It though. does. 
And it was a farm, I think, outside of Bakersfield, California. Okay. But it doesn't feel that way no. at all. It sure doesn't, because we traveled roads yeah. just fucking like this mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. But through the light beams, Dad travels over to the entrance of the barn to find an axe resting in a tree stump next to a pair of gloves. In the light, we see the name Otis etched into the axe handle, and the music grows tense. I read something interesting about the name of the axe. Okay. Mm -hmm. And tell me if you heard this on commentary because I read it on IMDb and I tried to confirm it and it was also mentioned in a Dread Central article. Okay. But that article cited its source as IMDb. IMDb. Mm. So what I read was that Bill Paxton saw, I think in, it said in like Pasadena, there was a, an unhoused man outside and he tried to give him money but the man didn't want a handout he didn't want him to just give him money so he learned his name otis and paid him to be able to use it in frailty if i'm not mistaken i think that's in the production notes okay, okay. so it is true. i was hoping right. it was true yeah. Yeah. i like that but so he, he gave him he yeah. paid him well. to use his name and then i i read on like Reddit and stuff, people were like, uh, Otis stands for only the innocent survive. I'm uh, like, where did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck. See, now, now you're just making shit up, dude. <laughs> I was like, good That's lord. That's what their axes stand for. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Just gonna back away. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, what I remember reading is they said that they wanted this axe to have a, I guess, uh, history. Um, putting the name on there also gave it a bit of character. Yeah. To where Otis exists as its own like entity yes and so that was the other reason why he wanted to give it a name yeah Yeah. but later that day dad lets adam hold the axe in the kitchen but says that he still can't understand what the gloves are for fenton stands in the foreground looking very uncomfortable the camera presses in on fenton in class again as adult fenton says that it was just a long long dream man to be in the kitchen and having your dad talk about like oh look at this axe we're gonna kill demons with and seeing your little brother hyped up or your younger sibling and it's like hey i'm uncomfortable that he's so on board with this um, i mean yeah right away and even worse what he does in a minute no yeah. <laughs> it's like god damn adam <laughs> no it, but that's what i'm saying it's like do what you the know, fuck do you know what this means yeah <laughs> like do you understand what you're saying right now but back at home as fenton and adam are watching television dad rushes in placing something wrapped in a rag onto the table he calls the boy's attention to it and unrolls the rag revealing it to be a lead pipe Hmm. i'm sorry i have to admit i laughed and the reason i laughed (laughs) is because we're talking about magical weapons right and he's like i found this pipe (laughs) Well, it's a lead pipe. Well, I'm like, there, look, at least an axe is poetic. This is a pipe, dude. Unless we're playing a game of Clue. <laughs> well, I want <laughs> fucking nothing to do with this. Well, skin <laughs> worse and worse. <laughs> I don't like this. The way I explained it, or the way I took it, was he wasn't supposed to find the axe yet because that's an upgraded weapon. Mm. He went on a side quest and got it. See, that's his fault. The pipe is your starter weapon. main yeah. yeah. And yeah, he's do, he, did, he did the side mission first before he did the actual campaign. See, you gotta and level yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta level up. You aren't ready that, for it. That's why Fenton's confused. He's like, I don't know what the fuck. What, what story am I following? Now what? he's bringing home a pipe. Yeah, I don't he's like, well, 
<laughs> what? We've downgraded? Yeah, the oh. Raiders, we were supposed to help that farm. <laughs> like, what? You don't even know what the gloves are for. Yeah. <laughs> Another settlement's in trouble. Yeah, well. What is going on? <laughs> but he says that they've got them all now, and it won't be long because the angel returned to him last night and said that God would be sending a list of the first seven demons soon. Fenton stares on as adult Fenton says that he knew none of it could be real and that he just had to wait it out. But that night after dinner, dad calls Fenton away from the dishes and back to the dinner table. Fenton reluctantly joins him as dad lights up a cigarette. He apologizes to Fenton and acknowledges his difficulties in adjusting to everything that's happened this week, but he says God has willed this and Fenton must obey God. Fenton tries to explain it away as a dream, but dad says that that's not what happened. He would never make up anything like this. Fenton then struggles to give another theory. Maybe dad isn't right in the head. Dad just chuckles, promising that it all happened, it's all true, and he'll see it all soon. But the real reason for this little conversation is because dad has spoken to the angel once again, and he got the first list. First list? Yeah. How do you respond to that? I don't know. Can I go back to doing the dishes? Yeah. Literally. <laughs> right. Remember when we were going to be a pee or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. turn turn Adam into a pee. Yeah. Be better. <laughs> That's a much lighter story to deal with. Yeah, a list. And then the third act, we can turn him back into a yeah. boy or whatever. <laughs> back into a boy. <laughs> I mean, it's much lighter, I think. But as he passes a notepad over to his son, adult Fenton explains that the angel came to dad while he was at work. We watch as dad slides under the car and goes to work on the undercarriage. As sparks rain down around him, he stares in awe as the car parts slowly get further and further away, transforming into the high ceilings of Notre Dame Church. Looked pretty good for 2001. It did. And like fucking creepy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As light rains in through the windows, the angel, played by Edmund Scott Ratliff, glides down on his wings clad in armor. Ratliff was the assistant prop man for the film. Nah. <laughs> and they accomplished this with a uh, blue screen, obviously. No, they really went to. <laughs> yeah, it looks it good, looks though. Notional. It does. I will say, for whatever reason, I never thought that the angel was a real person. Mm-hmm. It always looked like almost like PS2 graphics for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why, because there was something in his face that just did not seem real. PS2. Kinda, yeah, I, I know I get it. Kind of like when you're playing Street Fighter and you lose and you're at the continue screen and it's just like, oh, wow, that guy's talking shit to you. It's like, dude, come on. Like, it, they, yeah. they have like, were you that. in frailty? Yeah. <laughs> I remembered it being like a like a drawing or like something out of a See, book. See, that's what I mm. thought it was. Maybe something like that. But learning that it's a person, that yeah. that yeah. looks cool. It looked like uh, the animation level that they had with Beowulf. You remember that? Flick? <laughs> oh yeah, that's remember that picture? Right. <laughs> you remember that? Flick? I don't think I ever watched it, but I know what it. Is. Oh yeah, we had <laughs> but to I'm watch, aware of it. We I watched it in school when the teacher didn't feel like teaching. All right, well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, watch Beowulf. Shut up. But this is dangerous, though. Tripping under a car when you're working. Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Tripping. I don't. He's like, you need to. You're yeah. carrying heavy tools. Yeah. So I was like, he's just worked out under there. But the shot, and I'm sure you're going to describe it in a second. Yes. But it is chilling to me. Yes. Yeah. Because the angel unsheathes his sword and points it at dad with intensity in his eyes as it catches fire. We then see a wide shot of dad underneath the car his co-workers working around him like an angel isn't knocking about underneath this old mercury. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it just kind of illustrates that, like, you never know what's going on mm-hmm. to somebody else. See, and I think, well, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. 
like their own yeah that is true it, i just the fact that everybody's still working like the sparks are still going it's like it's a regular ass day but underneath that car to dad he's having this like religious fucking like experience that is the goal is to end in you know destroying demons, demons? <laughs> we're both like oh. yeah but they're perceived to be people so yeah. I'm, I'm like yeah. trying to be you know well, it's, to him, it's just very scary to me yeah. it's really scary yeah, to him they're demons yeah to him right yeah. but everybody else around him is just like oh like let's uh fix that you know tire or whatever or the, what do we say the um carburetor carburetor yeah. <laughs> let's berate this car yeah they just yell at it yeah like you piece of shit <laughs> that's my mechanic <laughs> so you don't want to run or what I'm, you're fucking lazy i'm the carburetor <laughs> <laughs> i hope not <laughs> um one thing i did want to say is again this shot to me i thought was going to be very important i think i'm i think we're here right I think yeah. I get what you're saying but it's all over in a flash of fire and dad pulls himself out from under the car grabs a pen and a notepad and starts writing down names beginning with Cynthia Harbridge. Back in the kitchen, Fenton looks at the list and he's like, dad, these are people's names. Dad knows, of course, and he says that they'll look like people, but the angel said that when he lays his hands on them, he'll reveal them for the demons they truly are. That's what the gloves are for. He brings them here with the gloves on, and then when he takes them off and touches them, he reveals them for who they truly are. Bold of you to wait until after you've abducted them and brought them home to confirm, you know, yeah. that they're demons. I think you should probably touch them before you bring them. But um, Yeah, but we see it's a whole experience. It is yeah. the thing. It's a thing. Uh, but also it made me laugh. I don't know if Fitton assumed like you'd peek at the list and it's like payment deals. <laughs> like, well, like, these are people? Honestly, yeah. if they're demons, yeah. well, Valak. Yeah, well, on the cool though, <laughs> if that's what we're doing, Pazuzu, yeah, that's kind of what we're doing, right? We're yeah. hunting demons. Yeah. Not, oh no, these people are. They Cynthia. look like people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah Cynthia. Sin. <laughs> yeah. Sin. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like <laughs> at it. <laughs> Interesting that that's first. Yeah. Cynthia Demonstein. It's like, you weren't even trying Just It just says demon. <laughs> demon weigh-ins, it says. Hey, I'll take that over Cynthia. <laughs> over Cynthia. Yeah. Matt Demon. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> but dad promises Fenton that he'll see and he'll believe. In class the next day, Fenton falls asleep at his desk. His teacher is going on his teacher's going on with the lesson, and it was very funny because she's writing on the board and she's like, This word, does anyone know what this means? Does anybody know what that word means? Anyone? Does anyone know what this It's like, let me yeah. <laughs> think about yeah. it. An auctioneer. Yeah. It's like, please. But adult Fenton says that the dream was over and it was all real. Fenton has a micro nightmare, watching his father bring the axe down, and as it strikes its target, Fenton wakes up screaming. How embarrassing. He's like, I mean, ah, yeah. that's, uh, this is a great lesson. <laughs> that's what that word means. Yeah. <laughs> it's terror. It's sheer terror. <laughs> <laughs> but adult Fenton says that he knew he had to stop his father, and the obvious answer was to tell someone what he was planning to do, but he knew he couldn't do that. He loved his father, even if he had gone crazy. But that night, 
Fenton sits staring at his father across the dinner table, but this is interrupted when Adam rushes into the room, proclaiming that he has gotten a list too. Dad looks on suspicious, reading through the list, and Fenton looks pissed. <laughs> Fenton has every no, every yeah. right to be pissed. Oh well, yeah, off. absolutely. This is appalling. Like how fast he got the thirst. Like immediately. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> the <laughs> thirst. <laughs> we haven't even done anything yet. No. You're like, you know what, Dad? Lump these in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after looking at the list, Dad asks, "Isn't Travis Shed the boy who was picking on you at school last week?" Adam insists that Travis is a demon. <laughs> Let's calm down. <laughs> I mean, he's not. No, wrong. no, I'm a nice, I'm a nice one. <laughs> a nice one. <laughs> a nice one person, I guess. Dad tries to get him to tell the truth that he made the list up himself, but Adam insists that God gave it to him. Dad just sits Adam down on his lap, telling him that they destroy demons. They don't kill people. If they were to use this list, they'd be committing murder, and they can never do that. I will say this sequence, again, is shot in such a way that the focus is entirely on Fenton, mm-hmm. growing more and more uncomfortable. Yeah. As, as he should. Yes. I feel like I know <laughs> this is a lot for Adam to take in. Yes. I would, <laughs> I would just hope that dad would have been a little harsher on him because what you're trying to do here <laughs> is literally murder. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we really need to punch how severe yeah. what you're doing is and how, you know, we hunt <laughs> demons. You know, I know that he's explaining it to him, but it is very gentle, mm-hmm. which, you know, gentle parenting for the win. I get it. Mm-hmm. But these are extenuating circumstances. I think Adam really needs to be <laughs> be punished for this (laughs) well that's what i'm saying like no tv something uh dude because you're just like now run along you little scamp what you did was really bad horrible he just picked five people that he didn't like yeah and that's that's who we're demon hunting i'm gonna go kill them with my dad that's unbelievable (laughs) i'm like i don't know punishment no Some, dessert. It's the thirst. <laughs> I don't know. He's doing it though. The thirst. No more your alligator show for <laughs> yeah. like for six months. <laughs> six months. <laughs> hey, you gotta you gotta lay down the law. That was a big that was real bad. <laughs> it was real bad what he did. But Adam apologizes, and dad tells him that he just needs to have a little patience. God will send him his own list when he's older. Fenton's face is just flabbergasted. But dad just sends Adam off to go do his homework. Fenton now knows what he has to do, and we see him the next morning standing outside of the sheriff's station. Just as the sheriff walks out of the building, Fenton looks at him for a moment and then just takes off running. Not suspicious at all. Uh, That's exactly (laughs) what I put. Yeah, that didn't look suspicious at all. No. Well, maybe he was just passing through and then he... Got scared and ran away. (laughs) (laughs) But that night, the boys sit together at the dinner table, picking at their food as adult Fenton says that that night... Dad had promised to take them to the movies, but he didn't come home from work. They retire to their beds, shutting off the lights, and Adam asks when their dad is coming home, but Fenton doesn't know. Adam asks if he thinks that dad is destroying a demon right now, but Fenton has had enough. He says that all that stuff is make-believe and that their dad just made it all up. I would be so scared when he didn't come home. Yes. Oh, yeah. You're... (sighs) Again demon hunting Mm -hmm. right but you're out there alone 
when we were you were telling us it was the three of us this and that but yeah. now you're just gone when you've been left to your own devices you've either been uh talking to an angel mm-hmm. or getting a pipe mm-hmm. or getting an axe and right. gloves no no time when you kind of venture off on your own is anything good happening <laughs> yeah so you like straight up not coming home for dinner i would be sick i'd be horrified compounded with the fact that adam is just locked the fuck in yeah like he said say no more like he's just down mm-hmm. and adam does disagree with everything fenton said yeah but fenton explains that it's just like santa claus and adam remembers when they caught dad putting all the presents under the tree last year right he tries to explain the gravity of it to Adam, though. Dad made it all up, but those names on the list are real people. Adam asks why their dad would make it up, and Fenton says that he doesn't know, but he thinks that they should run away. The brothers agree that they don't want to leave their father, but Fenton says that they might have to, because Dad is going to kill somebody. I really um, am still disappointed in Adam's behavior with his list. <laughs> but I feel like... How confusing must that be for your dad to be saying with such certainty Mm -hmm. this one thing and then your big brother is like, he's crazy and we're probably going to have to run away. Like that is so conflicting and confusing and scary. It is. For especially as young as he is. Oh, yeah. Like I don't, it is like, it's sad for everyone. Like this is just horrible. I didn't want to uh, drive the point home just how young this child actor is because they asked him what his favorite part of filming the movie was in a behind the scenes interview. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, he goes, I didn't understand anything that was happening. He Good. Goes, I didn't know what was going on. He goes, my favorite part of the movie was when I sang the song joy in my heart. Oh, <laughs> well, good. And it's like, all right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Cause you shouldn't know what the hell's happening. Yeah. At all. At all. Yeah. Very interestingly on commentary, Bill Paxton pointed out, because you hear the sounds like like outdoor sounds. Right, right. You hear like frogs uh, ribbiting or whatever. (laughs) Ribbiting? Well, I don't know. It was, it was, the performance was ribbiting. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But um, Bill Paxton had said that he had uh, recorded the sounds of frogs outside of the house of Ivan Reitman. Okay. And that's where they got this sound. Ivan Reitman, the director. Right, right. Just the most random. That is very random. Didn't he do Ghostbusters? Oh, right oh, all right. So it's like that's interesting. But I okay. The the, the thing, and that was uh, that was something I was going to mention it later. But is is that normal sounds for a rose garden? Because we've been to a botanical garden and didn't hear that. <laughs> no. like, he said, "Why did the rose garden sound like a swamp?" It did. It's like what? Well, I mean, all that I remember from the botanical garden was getting attacked by those bees. <laughs> <laughs> The gang of bees. Yeah, we're very friendly. Huh? No, no, no. It could have been frogs all over the place. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> not the bees. Yeah. <laughs> They're in my eyes. Right, roll around on the ground. <laughs> but later that night, Fenton wakes up when he sees the headlights of his father's car pull into the driveway. He goes over to the window to get a better look, but sees his father carrying something large inside of a sack over his shoulder and into the backyard. Again. Vomit. Yeah. Pissing my shit. Also. All of the above. Just tick every box. This is horrifying. Can't you do this away from the house? (laughs) No offense, but we got enough going on. (laughs) (laughs) I got that math test this week, dude, and you're going (laughs) to... I told you I was worried about it. (laughs) Yeah, but we we all got to do it for some reason. The three of us. That's what... And I I think I, I mentioned this later, but I feel like even... 
even with it, this being something that is supposed to be accomplished, handed down from God to angel to you or whatever. Yeah. I still feel like you were traumatizing your children by oh, no, doing yeah. this in front of them. Even if you're, if you brought a writhing, horned, hoofed demon home. <laughs> <laughs> even slaughtering that demon in front of your kids is fucking scary dude it's like i caught him at the 7-eleven like, no, no dad where the fuck did you get but an actual demon even slaughtering it in that form is scary as fuck and i would not do that in front of my kids no it is but no, i feel like that's easier to explain than why i'm killing this absolutely this person yes, but i'm saying 100%. even that even if it was visibly a demon in demon form oh well, yeah you still don't do that in front of your kids. No. Like, this is scary as fuck. Dad, Maybe this the is... the bathroom or something. This, <laughs> is, <laughs> this is your side hustle, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be a part of it. I have I, school in the morning. Yeah. Dude, seriously, as Fenton, Dad, you plus this new hobby equals me failing my math test. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. But Fenton immediately heads outside with a flashlight, and the light finds his father opening their shed. We see there are blood stains on the back of his shirt and the lead pipe in his back pocket. Dad notices Fenton and tells him that he needs his help. But when the light dips down, it reveals Cynthia Harbridge, played by Cynthia Edinger, with her arms and legs tied and her mouth covered in duct tape. Dad, what the fuck, dude? Literally. Like, Hi, trauma. Yeah. we, I, Me and my brother ate, put ourselves to bed. We were worried about you. And yeah. then this is how, this is what the fuck you bring home. I feel like we're going to take this time to run away. Yeah. While Jumped dad in. while dad's trying to open the shed. I mean, and it it's just the worst possible like a woman, a nurse. Yeah. Like God, dad. Mm -hmm. Ugh. But she cries and begs for help behind the tape, but dad just opens the doors to the shed and carries her inside as Fenton follows. Bill Paxton said that during the test screening, uh I believe he said 25 people walked out when the light dipped down. Really? Yeah. They were like, that's enough. <laughs> I don't know if I would feel like I've done something very right or something very wrong. Good point. You yeah. know? Uh-huh. Yeah. You're like, who are we pissing off? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you ever, She's a demon. <laughs> you ever see that um picture from the alien test screening? Yeah. Where the chest bursts that are one seen? Guy? Yeah. <laughs> that one dude's like, all right. <laughs> like, hell yeah. We've been waiting for this. Like, he's so happy, but yeah. everybody else is like, oh, God. <laughs> That's who the movie was made for. Yeah, yes. this was for you. Yeah, that dude's my favorite. <laughs> But Adam calls out from the house, and Dad just tells him to join them in the shed. Dad lights a lantern in the corner of the shed as Adam asks who the woman is. Dad answers simply, that's a demon, son, and invites the boys inside, telling them not to be afraid. The boys look on confused and full of fear as their father stands with them. Adult Fenton explains that earlier that day, Dad received a message that today was the day. So after work... He drove 45 minutes southwest of Thurman to a town called Jacksonville. Thanks for calling and letting us know. Um, <laughs> they had phones in 79. Yeah, yeah you did. Uh, Daddy's not going to be home for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but God came to you, not not the liaison, not the yeah. angel. See, Literally God. That's a change. Mm -hmm. mm. Just throwing that out there. So again, that's to weird. me... It feels like we're getting a little more amb amb ambiguous. <laughs> well, I keep saying ambiguity and I'm like, nope. No. <laughs> but dad had never been there before, yet he had no problem finding it because God led him there. 
We watch his dad approaches a house in the night with the lead pipe in his pocket and wearing his gloves. As he gets to the front porch, he removes the pipe. Just as he does, Cynthia exits her house and walks right into him. He calmly asks, Cynthia Harbridge? And when she confirms her identity, dad strikes her with the pipe. Back in the shed, with blood on the side of her face, she looks up at them, tears and makeup streaking down her cheeks. Dad picks up Otis, the axe, and Fenton begs him not to do it. Dad says that if he could spare Fenton of this, he would, but they're God's servants and his will must be served. Dad tells him not to be afraid, and he slowly approaches Cynthia as her whimpers are muffled by the duct tape. That This is, like, for me, I was, I was like, man, he doesn't look like he wants to do this. No, he doesn't. But he's no. doing it because he feels like he has to. So it's like, is he... Is, is he fucking talking to God? See, to m- like, and to me, I'm like, it's he's it, it. They leave it in such a way that it's like that's either happening or this man is seriously unwell. Yeah. yeah. And you don't really know. And I like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Continue. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> but back in the present day, Doyle stares out of his window as rain comes hammering down outside. He asks Fenton if all this is true, and Fenton asks why he would make it up. He's like, be fucking for real. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, but no but bullshit, is, though. Yeah, this yeah. is the point of the story where he's like, stop. Yeah. Are you fucking serious? Hasn't enough happened to question? Yeah. <laughs> but Doyle asks where Fenton's father is now, and Fenton just says that he's dead. This is all interrupted when Griffin knocks on the office door, telling Doyle that he's heading out for the night unless Doyle wants him to stay, but Doyle excuses him for the evening. As Griffin leaves, Doyle sits on top of his desk, asking Fenton if his father just killed that woman right there in front of him. Fenton says not to his father's way of thinking. He didn't kill a woman. He slayed a demon. The camera dips down to Fenton's hands as he says that his father believed when he laid his hands on her, it revealed her sins. I was like, all right, cameraman, we know what hands are. Yeah. But, I mean, hands are a motif in this film. Bill Paxton talked about it. Yeah. You see shots of hands quite often. Mm. Mm-hmm. It opened on a shot of a hand holding a crucifix to give the title of the film. Right. It's, True. It's very important. Yeah. But back in 1979, Dad cautiously reaches his hand out to Cynthia, and as she tries to pull away, he seizes her arm with a loud musical sting. Her eyes grow wide as she stares at him, and something like a force rushes through Dad as if he's feeling something electric. Dad jumps back in fright, staring at his own hand for a moment before grabbing her arm again with the same result, only longer and more forceful this time. He pulls himself away, trying to catch his breath. He then steals himself momentarily as he grabs the axe, raising it above his head against Fenton's protests. The camera pulls tight on Fenton's frightened face as his father brings the axe down, killing Cynthia. We then crossfade from the face of Fenton to the face of a sculpture of what appears to be a sad dog. So something not so chill happened last night. Uh, yes. <laughs> Literally. I do want to say I didn't know if the dog was just to signify how rough things have just gotten. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned that these the dog sculptures were actually from Bill Paxton's garden. Oh, okay. And they were from, I think, an English castle in like the 18th century. I Holy was going to ask, kind of like a gargoyle type thing. Maybe? That's what it yeah. looks right. like. But in the fog of the Rose Garden... The camera glides over angel statues and through shrubs and trees to find Dad digging a grave. Adam sits there in awe of everything happening, but Fenton just sits there sobbing into his hands. Adam tosses a garbage bag containing Cynthia's remains into the grave, 
But dad corrects him. You have to do it like this. He dumps Cynthia's head into the grave and says that the angel was real specific. The angel is real focused on details. Yeah. He's like, that bag better be hefty. <laughs> uh, God will be mad if you use Glad. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not sponsored. No, so, yeah, not sponsored. Got, no. Use Glad and make God mad. <laughs> um, and Adam is just entirely too unaffected by yeah. what is going on. Yes. And and Bill Paxton said is he's putting it like he's teaching his son how to plant a seed. Literally. Yeah. No, do it like this, son. Yeah. You gotta, you know, it's wild. Oh, yeah. But Adam asks why it has to be out here in the Rose Garden. And dad just says that God chose it just like he chose them. I, <laughs> to me, and this is more in the line of the ambiguous nature. Mm-hmm. Because really, no, you just bury him around the corner. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's literally right there. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it feels like you're making all this up, dude. Yeah. A little bit. Right? Yeah. But dad notices Fenton crying and tells him not to cry for her. She wasn't human. He asks if he saw it when he touched her. Adam says that he saw it and smiles. It's, <laughs> I don't know what the word is. I was going to say sad, but I don't think that fits. But Adam, and this is just the first instance of many where dad is like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Adam's like, no, I did. I saw it too. And he's like, whatever, Adam. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> he's even right now. Uh-huh. I saw it, dad. All right. Uh, Fenton though. Like, no, no, I'm like, damn, is it because he's the yeah. oldest? You, you say that now, but one of my favorite parts of this movie is when everything just flips. Yeah. And Fenton can do no right, and Adam says yeah. something. He's like, you're goddamn right, sport. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. That's exactly right, Tiger. Fucking tussles his hair. Like, they become best they friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it makes me laugh so hard because there's a moment later that he's like, goddamn it, Fenton, or whatever. And then Adam's like, I like it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Sure do. <laughs> <laughs> so you're my favorite it's great it's so funny to me you gotta find your comedy where you can <laughs> you really do oddly bill paxton says that he sees this film as partially a bleak black comedy okay and uh, I, he says that there are moments of camp and that can't be denied that is true yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that'll give him <laughs> yeah. i will give him that but i don't know about that he did he, <laughs> he obviously said it was a horror film but he said there are moments of very dark comedy all right the darkest comedy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the darkest kind. The divine comedy. <laughs> but Fenton just mutters, you killed her. Dad corrects him again. He didn't kill her. He destroyed her. She was a demon. He's like, I don't know. What yeah. <laughs> How many times do I have to say this? But he says that he wasn't even sure that he could do it himself because she looked like a woman to him, too. But after he touched her, all he saw was evil, and he had to do it. He says he's sorry Fenton didn't see it too, but he will next time. Next time? Yeah. Yeah. Shock fills Fenton's face as he asks his father, you're going to do it again? Dad says that this is their job now, and he has to accept it. The auto shop is like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be there at nine tomorrow. (laughs) But Fenton says he won't let him continue to do this and that he'll tell someone. Dad sternly tells him that if he does, someone will die. The angel was very clear on that. <laughs> the angel also said that you got to listen to whatever I say. Yeah. <laughs> the angel's saying a lot. Dude, I, it's a like, real chatty angel. I saw a sword on fire. I didn't, hear, <laughs> I didn't see a mouth move yeah, for I a second. I didn't hear shit. <laughs> I guess pictures speak a thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> the angel said to go do your homework. <laughs> Shut up. Stop bothering me. So you better not fail that math test tomorrow. <laughs> the angel said take out the garbage. <laughs> right now you're just making shit yeah, up. Yeah. I, don't, I don't believe a word of this. 
Adam's like, even I'm a little yeah, <laughs> you're suspicious. Doing the, yeah, you're doing the dice one, move yeah. too much. <laughs> but dad asks Fenton if he understands, but Fenton doesn't answer. And we fade into his face in the present day. So Bill Paxson said because of the scheduling of the way that they needed to do this film with the budget and the locations, mm-hmm. this scene in the Rose Garden was the first scene that Bill Paxson shot with the child actors. Whoa. Damn. And he said that oh, it was- that had to be hard. Yeah. Yes. He was, it was intense and it was very difficult. Basically, the majority of the scenes that you see in the Rose Garden with Bill Paxson and the child actors, they were all shot on the same day damn and so the one that comes later that's even more intense yeah first time to have to wow. start at that at a, yeah. like an eight yeah that's that's a lot they that's, did good though they did they really did because you wouldn't be able to tell hell no i think that's why for me if i ever made a film i would have to shoot as close to chronological order yeah, yeah. as possible Try. Well, what what film did we talk about where they shot it all out of order and the director was like you need to be at a seven in oh scene. Yeah, yeah yeah it's like that's hard <laughs> yeah. they, they keep track yeah. yeah and they do it well because i would have never guessed no But Fenton tells Doyle that he didn't tell anyone, but he should have. He says he was just afraid. He loved his father, but he was terrified of him. He asks Doyle if now he understands why he knows that Adam is the God's Hand killer. Doyle doesn't respond directly, instead asking Fenton if he has any physical proof. Fenton says that he read in the paper that only one of the six victims had been found, which he learns is true. Doyle says that the first victim was found mutilated with a note that read, the God's hand had taken him. But after that, only notes were found. No bodies. But hold on. Hmm. Found mutilated. I was like, that's not the MO at all. Yeah. So no. what 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 happened? Like what is going on? There's a lot of confusion for me about the the entire God's hand killer subplot. Yeah. yeah. And so much so that as a kid, I completely blocked it out. See, yeah. we'll we'll talk about it at the end but i have a similar sentiment okay but fenton asks how he knows they're dead then and doyle admits that they don't know for sure but the first note said that they wouldn't find any more bodies after that the killer said that he wanted to keep them fenton says that he has a pretty good idea of where the rest of the bodies are and doyle guesses the rose garden annoyed he asks why fenton didn't tell him that in the first place but fenton asks realistically would he have believed him? No. He already didn't believe him. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, my brother's the killer. What does this have to do with the killer? Was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just told you. Yeah, I feel like you're not listening to me. Doyle doesn't answer that and just asks Fenton to follow him outside. Standing under the awning of the building, the rain's still pouring outside, and the ambulance that Fenton stole in the background, Doyle tosses Fenton a pair of handcuffs and tells him to put them on. With barely a moment of hesitation, Fenton does as told and follows Doyle through the rain to his vehicle. But why? I was never placed under arrest. I was never read my my rights. You never said I was being detained. Why why am I putting these on? He doesn't do things by the book, I guess. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. But I was like at the at the same time, I guess cuffing him is a smart move well, I mean, for I get him, it. but you can't like you didn't have to you, you don't have to yeah. you know you mean what as a precaution yeah well you know what else is a precaution having griffin go with you literally yeah. i was trying to be vague earlier this is what i'm talking about like yes i would want to hear him out i would want to hear the entire story i would i would be very intrigued i would fact check everything that he said no you hang back and i'm gonna be sending you stuff to to check yeah, out yeah mm-hmm. um but i would not get in my car with this man alone Mm -mm. and take what did he say 
two hours to what, what, how many miles did he say thurman was oh i think he said it was what was it 200 miles from here uh, you're, oh yeah you're, that's you're, too yeah. much yeah because he much. said it was by abilene i'm not getting in the yeah. car with this man by myself we can you know go wherever and and check this shit out but i'm gonna have somebody with me yeah and i'm gonna read you your rights and you are detained right now and because even, you just confessed to yeah at yeah. least being an accessory well, to some shit and uh improper disposal of a corpse or that you know and, and I know that y'all take care of each other in brisket. But this ain't brisket. Yeah. <laughs> this is BFW. We do, yeah. we do we things, do things yeah. fast, <laughs> fast and high. <laughs> but that is <laughs> that is time on the road. I didn't, yeah. Think, yeah. I didn't realize it that. Is. It's a long ride. Because from here to Dallas, it's four hours. Abilene's about, what, an hour, a little over an hour away? Yeah. So that's still over two two and some hours or whatever. Yeah. That he's got to drive with them. He's like, it's just enough to finish my story. Yeah. <laughs> We should leave now. Yes. Um, <laughs> Doyle opens the back passenger side door for Fenton, but he goes to help his head to avoid the roof, and Fenton jerks away slightly, saying that he's got it. In- interesting. Yes. Thunder rumbles and lightning strikes as Doyle closes the door and sits down in the driver's seat, pulling away from the parking lot. As they drive through the rain, Doyle asks Fenton why he didn't just come to see him sooner. Fenton instead just gives directions. Doyle says he just can't imagine keeping a secret like this for so long. And Fenton looks pensive for a moment, admitting that he guesses he just avoided it. At least he wanted to. Fenton then asks, somewhat oddly, why Doyle only keeps that one picture of his mother in his office. Doyle's like, are you in love with my mother? Yeah. <laughs> why? You keep talking about my fucking mom, dude. Give it a rest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's it <laughs> you've maxed it out no more <laughs> not answering any more questions about my mother all right <laughs> but doyle just responds that his mother was murdered a couple days after that picture was taken he says butchered by some whacked out killer like fenton's father so i'm like okay is that what happened yeah. yes he also says that they never caught him Fenton asks if that's why he took this job, and Doyle just chuckles, replying that Fenton's pretty good at this and asking him if he ever thought of becoming a cop, because he has the instincts for it. Hmm. Hmm. Fenton admits that he did when he was a kid, and Doyle says that a cop has to have good instincts, and what his instincts are telling him right now is that Fenton is hiding something from him. Fenton asks Doyle what he thinks he's hiding, and Doyle just tells him to keep talking, and maybe he'll figure it out. Wow, I mean, I was like, are you hitting on me? Are you? Because he's kind of like, well, if you keep talking, I'll figure it out. I, didn't I was get like, dude, I was like, hold on. I didn't get that at all. Take my cuffs off. We'll talk. It's, Ma- it's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Got- Give him a break. Give him a break. Um, I did want to talk about the cinematography. Uh, the cinematographer of this film was Bill Butler. Mm-hmm. Incredibly prolific cinematographer. I will list some of his credits at the end. All right. But watching him work in this featurette, he had about 25 people working for him in this one shot setup. Mm -hmm. The car never moved uh, an inch. Right. And it just sat there and they had people that were acting as headlights in the back behind, Uh. (laughs) um, doing things with the wind, doing things with the rain. That's so cool. Using sticks to move underneath the car to to imply motion. Yeah, yeah. um, Moving the cameras at certain angles so you never see anything. Yeah. And Bill Paxson said that Bill Butler was directing it like a symphony. And you see him and he's waving his hands and people are- That's amazing. Incredible. (laughs) I bet that's cool to see. Yeah. Uh, but some of his other credits, he was a cinematographer for 
Jaws. Okay. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. All right, all right. And Child's Play. Hey, there you go. What the hell? <laughs> what is going on? I don't know. I... I saw. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I saw Jaws, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah. this dude. He's he's one of the best. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but that's just a few select from his filmography. Yeah. But the camera pans over to the rain pelting Doyle's window and transitions to the static of the television in the family room of the Meeks home in 1979. Pretty cool transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The boys sit and watch an episode of Davy and Goliath. In it. Davy breaks his arm and asks his father why God let this happen to him. His father tells him not to blame God, but Davy's like, God let me do it. So (laughs) (laughs) his father just says that what God let him do was decide for himself what he would do. He's not a puppet after all. He says God doesn't make you do anything. He wants you to decide for yourself. Interesting. Now, why isn't Fenton taking notes and using this as exhibit A against his father? He's yeah. like, according to Moral Oral. <laughs> <laughs> That's our <laughs> our version. According of- to Gravy and Jabrian, um, <laughs> you shouldn't be doing this. No. No. If claymation is taught as anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the concept of free will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Fenton and Adam sit in front of the television. Adult Fenton saying that after that night, nothing much happened. Dad didn't mention it anymore, and neither did Adam. As the boys play at the playground, he continues that after a full month had gone by, he had convinced himself that it was all over and everything was going to be all right. Later at school, Fenton walks with his friend Eric, played by Blake King, with Adam trailing a little behind with a basketball. Eric asks Fenton about last night's episode of the Dukes of Hazard and if he saw the part where Daisy Duke bent over. Adam says that he likes Boss Hogg and that he's funny, but Eric doesn't really care about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Eric says that he'd do anything to really see Daisy's boobs, and Adam's like, oh my God. <laughs> a little decorum. Well, he's I was like, oh, oh my, my God. Because the way the, I, to really see that. Yeah. No, for real. <laughs> not a joke. Oh, they're not teen a, boys. I know, but this child needs to relax. Funny. But Fenton just tells Adam to shut up. <laughs> Eric asks Fenton if he wants to spend the night and says that they can wrap some kid named Corey's house. But Fenton says it'll have to ask his dad. As Eric rides away, Adam asks what rap means, and Fenton says that he'll tell him later, but challenges his brother to a race home. I did want to call out Blake King, Mm -hmm. because apparently this kid lived in Tennessee, and Bill Paxton said that nobody else can play this part. (laughs) (laughs) He said that's just what it is. But the producers didn't want to fly him all the way from Tennessee to California, and so Bill Paxton's like, nobody else is playing this part. Oh my god. And so they flew this kid from Tennessee to California for this scene. All right. He's like, you're 13. Yeah, you love tits and ass. Go. Action. We got to get yeah. you back home. <laughs> this is. <laughs> That's hilarious. But it's great of capturing, I'm sure, how it was at the time. Yeah. Because even I remember back in the early 90s, walking home with my older brother from school, we would talk to people along the way or whatever to our friends. And 
I mean, that I feel like they did a good job of kind of capturing the time of it, what's going on. Did you talk to that specific kid as oh, well? Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Boss Hog is cool. <laughs> but the brothers run home together happily. But as soon as they reach the Rose Garden, Fenton stops dead in his tracks, saying that he's going to go around the road instead. Instead of going alone, Adam joins his brother. But when they reach the front of the house, they find a van parked out front. Fenton looks at it confused, and the brothers head inside. They find their father sitting at his desk, and Adam asks whose van is parked outside. Dad takes the ball from him, telling him that it's theirs, before tossing it back to Adam. After Adam heads to their bedroom, Dad tells Fenton that Eric's mom called about a sleepover, but he told her not tonight, because they have some work to do in the morning. Dad literally caresses the list of names that the angel gave him. Why are you so happy about it? Like, he's like... Not tonight, guys. Yeah. Like, he's, like, excited. No, it's a yeah. lot. And that van's not a good sign. Oh, it's terrifying. No, not at all. But we also see that the name Cynthia Harbridge is crossed out on top, and the name under it is Edward March. The next morning, Edward March, played by Vincent Chase, pulls his car into a parking lot and steps out of it. Now, okay, funny enough, mm-hmm. because, again, we were just talking about being teen boys and getting into shit you shouldn't been. Yeah. Um, Vincent Chase is the lead character's name in entourage um, yes. <laughs> and i shouldn't have been watching that yeah probably not um i didn't know any better but i do also want to point out that vincent chase this vincent chase was uh bill paxton's acting coach for 20 years oh wow oh, nice. and he said that on set um he worked with the child actors to help them as very well. cool but adult Fenton explains that his dad told him that there are moments in every person's life where they could just suddenly disappear without anyone knowing where they went or why, when God's hands could just reach out and take you. And according to his dad, nothing, not even a camera, could catch them. They were invisible when they were God's hands. The Meeks family pulls up in their van as Edward walks inside of a store, Adam asking what they're to do now. Dad says that they wait and they'll get him when he comes out. He says for the boys to do exactly what he told them before. Fenton says that he can't, and Dad responds, can't never did anything. Adam says he could do it, and Dad's like, you sure can, Tiger. And Tussles is there. This is what I'm talking about. But can't never did anything is such a, like, stopping those peas, you're going to turn into one. Yeah. Like, that's, it's, he's still in there. Yes. You know? Even though he's doing this. Yeah, but that's also what makes it, again, are you okay or yeah. are you really talking to God? Yeah. Also, <laughs> the fact that we're bringing our kids to do no, this yeah. is just, oh, yeah. uh, it's not cool, man. No. Let's take your kid to work day. Uh, well. He said, that, yeah, <laughs> the garage is like, Where hello, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Meeks? He doesn't have a first name. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> Dad right, Meeks? Father Meeks? Yeah, yeah. carburetors are drying up by the second. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Um, we got all these tires to put on. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they do. Yeah. <laughs> Carburetors and tires. That's the name of the shop. <laughs> N. Yes. But Fenton asks, what if someone sees them? It's broad daylight. And dad says that he already told him God will blind all witnesses for them. So this becomes an issue for me with the film for a couple of reasons. One, obvious things that we'll get to in the future. Mm-hmm. But two... We just heard this in narration. Yeah. So either that line or the previous narration was unnecessary. They're like, are you listening? Yeah. I promise we are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that happens a lot. I don't know if they're just like, we got to have more McConaughey. 
Yeah, it's uh, maybe. You know. Yeah. If that's a note that they got. Yeah. What well, they paid for. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But Dad just cracks open a book as they wait for Edward to exit the store. After some time passes, Edward reemerges, which Fenton notices. His eyes pan to his father, who is lost in his book, then back to Edward walking to his car, then back to his father, who takes notice. This was very effective. Yeah. You feel Fenton not wanting his father to look up. Yeah. And when he does, you're like, fuck. But dad tells the boys that it's time, but Fenton says that he can't do it. Annoyed, dad tells him to do what he's told. Adam stays behind as dad and Fenton exit the van. Adam did not want to stay behind. No. No. He is just, put me in, coach. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, where do you want me? He's like, no, Fenton, Fenton, come on. When Edward reaches his car, he finds Fenton calling out underneath it for a dog named Trixie. Edward asks what he's doing and offers to help after Fenton sits there in tears, saying that he's trying to get his dog from under the car. As Edward kneels down, Dad is shown to be standing behind him, and he strikes Edward with the lead pipe, knocking him out cold. Yeah, we came clothes shopping. Now we got another demon. It's fucking. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I just wanted new socks, Dad. And here that, we can't yeah, go anywhere. Now, no, we're never going to see the Warriors, are yeah. we? <laughs> <laughs> but Fenton backs away, crying, and Dad yells for him to help him grab Edward's legs. He reluctantly does as he's told. We then cut to Edward, tied to a chair with rope in the Meeks' shed, his mouth taped with duct tape. Dad stands there with his sons and tells Fenton that he thinks that's an innocent man sitting there, but he isn't. He reaches his hand out to touch the top of Edward's bald head. He reacts violently, just as he did when he seized Cynthia's arm. Edward's eyes widen as he raises his hands in supplication, and Dad rips himself away from him. His voice shaking, Dad asks... You didn't think anyone knew about that, did you? Edward shakes his head slightly as Dad tells him that God saw and that he can't escape God's wrath. He shuts the drapes, which he probably should have done earlier, (laughs) and grabs Otis. Against Fenton's protests yet again, Dad brings the axe down into Edward. A sense of almost satisfaction fills his face as Fenton turns away, but Adam stays staring at the murder. That line, you didn't think anybody knew about that, did you? Always stuck with me. Yes. Like, it, it, it's like iconic. Mm-hmm. It's a people of a certain age. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, as a kid, I'm like, that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but later at the Rose Garden, Dad sits smoking as Fenton digs the grave himself. Dad says he can't believe Fenton didn't see it. Edward was a murderer of little children. Dad just walks away muttering, Babies leaving his son to dig the grave alone. Yeah, dad, you could help. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, you're going back to the house? (laughs) (laughs) It's dirty as shit out here. (laughs) But when dad is out of sight, Fenton says that their dad is the only murderer. As he dumps Edward's body into the grave, he repeats to Adam that they need to run away. Adam's like, why? Adam. Adam, you gotta help me. Yeah. Oh my God. Fenton is like, Dad's a murderer. He kills people. Adam just repeats his dad's words. It's not murder. They're slaying demons. Adam says he sees it all when his father touches the demons, but Fenton has had enough. He says that their father is a killer and Adam is helping him. Yeah, he's not an anime character, dude. That's is not. <laughs> You're not slaying demons. No, no that's. Just, I can assure you. Yeah, I and and it's real hard 
watching because you see the son, the youngest son's devotion to his father. Mm -hmm. You that you look up to your dad. You want you know that's your hero. So when he's doing that, it's like yeah, but Fenton's a little older, and it's like dude, I don't, I I'm I and and even if if he's not. If he's not seeing what they're seeing, then to him, I mean, he, they are killing people. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's fucking nuts to keep doing that. And then look, you're leaving your kids <laughs> to fucking bury the bodies? Just the way that you said that. It's nuts to keep doing that. Well, come on, man. <laughs> it's nuts either way. Yeah. <laughs> well, Is this the, well, the part where he's like, I see it when he touches him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that comes into play later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But Adam goes full tattletale, rushing to tell their father about all of this, and Fenton barely tries to stop him for some reason. <laughs> Once Adam's made up his mind. Yeah. Yes, it is what it is. <laughs> we fade to black. When we return, Dad creeps his way into the boy's bedroom very early in the morning. He walks over to Fenton's bed, waking him up and telling him to get up and get dressed and to not wake his brother. It's like, ah, this is about the whole murder thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Ah. This is going to come back and bite me in the ass. Damn it, Adam. This kicks him on the way out. <laughs> but Fenton meets his father at the dining room table and is told that Adam <laughs> told him everything he said last night. Um, <laughs> Adam told. What? He said, I'm telling dad he on did. you. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, but that sucks because now you just lost your strongest ally. Yeah. That, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, man, that's it. I'm I'm alone. Dad says that he needs to know that he's never killed anything in his entire life. Fenton calls him a liar right to his face, and Dad doesn't respond to that. He just says that he did a lot of thinking and praying before he went to bed last night, and that he begged for the angel to visit Fenton, but instead he visited him again. How convenient. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be honest, Fenton. The angel hates you. (laughs) (laughs) Great pain washes over dad as he says that the angel told him something that he doesn't want to believe. Fenton leans in unafraid and he just goes, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what has that angel been saying? (laughs) When when has that angel had an ounce of good news? (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Dad says it doesn't matter because together they're going to prove the angel wrong. And it's like, I think I have an idea what that yeah, is. Yeah, I was going to say, so, I yeah, think we can guess. I, yeah. I think I know what he said. Um, But at this point, now the angel is fallible. Yes. Now you can prove this angel wrong. Apparently. Yeah. So again, the but shifting like, of before, this. Before, like your hands were tied or whatever because it's a fucking angel telling you. Yeah. You're like, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know getting real flimsy that's the thing and i appreciated that the logic and the logic in dad's mind of course was shifting because that leads to more ambiguity Mm -hmm. which i enjoy yeah Mm -hmm. i'll continue right dad tells fenton that he doesn't have any faith which is why he can't see the truth but they're gonna change that we cut to them in the backyard dad handing fenton a shovel from the shed Dad walks into the center of the yard, looking around for a moment. He tells Fenton that he wants him to dig about 10 feet deep, and he wants each side to be 15 feet wide, and that the length and width should form a perfect square. Fenton is flabbergasted, asking why. Dad just says that he's his father and he'll do as he's told. Fenton just replies, yes, sir. With this level of understanding, Dad tells Fenton that he expects half of it to be done by the time he gets home tonight. 
Finn's like, Dad, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you love it. <laughs> Come on, let me level with you, Dad. <laughs> like, I know I did wrong. You're doing but... too much. I get the punishment. Yeah, yeah I understand, but Come on. This is a chuckle. He's like, come on now. You know goddamn wow, well. That's Let's a go. lot. It is. Let's go you to know. have some breakfast. <laughs> you know, Angel damn well. I try not to say that. It comes out sometimes, but the uh, I'm your father. I just do no. it. Like, but... Yeah, come on. Give me at least a reason why I need to dig this fucking hole that big. And the demands are irrational. Yeah. But Fenton does laugh in disbelief. (laughs) (laughs) Basically saying that that's impossible. But dad just walks away without turning around, offering one word of advice. Pray. Fenton starts digging, taking off his overshirt as the day progresses and the hole gets deeper. He continues with great effort as adult Fenton narrates that he started digging that goddamn hole, but he did not pray and he would not pray. But adult Fenton says that he hated God and his hatred helped him dig. The camera tilts to the sky and comes back down to reveal Fenton still digging, his shirt now wrapped around his head. Adult Fenton says that gods, the angels, or whoever's plan it was wouldn't work on him. He knew what his father was doing was wrong, and nothing was going to change that. Just then, Adam steps out into the backyard, probably taking a break from the most chill day whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just playing Atari, Fenton. Want to play Pong with me? Oh, what are you doing? (laughs) You're ruining the yard. Dad's going to be so bad. (laughs) (laughs) The most chill day ever. (laughs) Yeah, dude, he he slept in. He's got the whole house to himself. Stretching and shit. Like, come on. But he apologizes to Fenton for telling on him. And he brings him a glass of water, which is kind. Yeah. Adam admits that he didn't tell their dad about Fenton's plan to run away, though, but says there's really no reason to go. Fenton says that their dad is a killer, but Adam disagrees. And he says that he's been praying for Fenton. I'd be like, give me that water and fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) This is all your fault. Yeah, no shit. Fenton says that he hasn't been praying, he's not going to, and he doesn't care what Dad says. He might be able to make him dig this hole, but he can't make him pray. So again, what was the point of that narration if we're going into this scene after? Yeah. He literally just said that. Mm -hmm. He just said it cooler. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, see, I told you, I didn't pray once. But Adam says that he'll help if Fenton promises not to tell their dad, but Fenton doesn't want their help. Adam's like, there's another shovel in the shed. Like, let me help you. Yeah. <laughs> You're drowning out here. <laughs> he wasn't halfway done by 530. That's not going to fucking happen. You are. You know, it's impossible. <laughs> I know it's impossible. But Fenton just throws dirt in Adam's face and Adam midair in a jump and running away calls Fenton a butthole. <laughs> that made me laugh out loud. Um, Cause you got to remember these are just kids. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. just kids going through this fucking awful thing. Yeah. He's like butthole. <laughs> <laughs> On commentary, Bill Paxton was like, I added the butthole. <laughs> he said, we used to call each other that when I was kidding. Well, he's trying to prove a point. He's just like, no, dude, look, you guys are against me. Yeah, I'm g- I don't I'll want do it. Help. Yeah. See, and to me, I feel like more and more you're obviously identifying and meant to with Fenton. Yeah. And you're seeing this as my thing. I always root for the rebel. Mm-hmm. And this dude is rebelling against a system that he does not feel. Well, <laughs> yeah. 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 And so rightfully so what we have right now, it's perfectly fine. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, and we'll get to it. But adult Fenton says that he wanted to run away, but he couldn't leave Adam there, no matter how brainwashed he was by their father. 
Fenton looks defeated as the voiceover admits that there was nowhere to go. But late that night, Fenton stumbles exhausted into the kitchen, eyeing a plate of dinner left for him on the table. Dad and Adam could not possibly look more comfortable. I said not them cuddled up in the back. Yeah. <laughs> They're in the dark. It's cold. <laughs> They're reclined in a chair <laughs> watching their favorite shows. <laughs> it's really insult to injury. Yeah. Fenton, however, steps over to the sink, running cold water over the wounds in his blistered palms. He eats his dinner slowly as dad walks in, playfully asking, finally gave up, huh, kiddo? Fenton replies with zero humor that he didn't give up and he'll be out there first thing in the morning. <laughs> well, yeah. Dad's like, hey, whoa. It's like, what What reaction did you yeah. expect? No shit. He's been out there since like sunrise. Yes. Yeah. But dad says he doesn't want to fight with him. He cracks open a beer and says that he's not doing this to hurt Fenton and he wishes he could understand that. I do want to say that on commentary, Bill Paxton said that they could only find one can of these vintage beers. And so every time you see him opening one after the first one, it's a sound added in post. Because <laughs> you see him turn away. Yeah, yeah that's smart. It's like, though. why are you so secretive about opening that beer? <laughs> but Fenton struggles to cut his meat Texas with his utensils, which prom- <laughs> not meat Texas, <laughs> which prompts Dad to take a look at his hands, and he's surprised that Fenton didn't wear gloves when he dug the hole. Fenton says he's fine, and when Dad retrieves some pain relief pills from the cabinet. Fenton just repeats, I said I was fine. Dad says he understands that Fenton is mad at him, but that's no reason to cause himself pain. And he orders Fenton to take the pills and to use an extra pair of work gloves that are out in the shed. He tells his son that he's proud of him, that he knows God is too. But he tells him to take a couple days off to let his blisters callous over before returning back to the dig. But you are returning back to the dig. Yeah. Yeah. It's not 10 feet yet. Oh my God. Fenton just continues eating in silence when his dad says goodnight and takes Adam off to bed. It made me laugh because Adam's like, Finn gets to stay up. It's like, do you know what the fuck Fenton's yeah, been through? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, we'll, let's trade. Yeah. I, w- I bet he would love to be going to bed right now. Yeah, I'll play Atari all day and watch Three's Company with Dad. <laughs> <laughs> you get your ass dig a fucking hole <laughs> for 14 hours. <laughs> but the next day, Fenton continues the dig. A pair of gloves smack him in the side of the head and fall to the ground as dad walks behind him, headed off to work. He doesn't even look at him. Mm -mm. No. Adult Fenton says that he continued digging until his hands bled, but he wouldn't stop. He did this for five days and says that by the sixth day, the hole was as dark and deep as his hatred for his dad's God. It's like, you know, the screenwriter was like shaking his fist. Yeah. (laughs) The double congratulations, sir. (laughs) But dad joins Fenton on the side of the finished hole, commenting that the job is finished and says that he bets Fenton didn't pray once. And Fenton confirms that he did not. You already know nothing good is going in this hole. No. We watch in a montage as the Meeks family builds a cellar out of the hole that Fenton dug. But adult Fenton says that though they called it a cellar, he knew better. They were building a dungeon. Now, I know we're talking about killing people in front of her kids and all that but is that what we're really talking gonna, about well, I'm, I'm saying we shouldn't do that um well what, bold, what about bold the, stance. Uh, <laughs> the dungeon too that's a lot huh i it's would like, say so it's yeah. like, you don't need to help me build a sex dungeon or the dungeon uh, the uh, demon, whatever demon it is dungeon, yeah demon demon dungeon. Dungeon. Okay, a little demon. decorum because that <laughs> was the, never the demon slayer dungeon whatever it's going on down there whatever kind of dungeon you want to build don't let your kids build it with you yes Moving on. 
<laughs> I was just thinking um, that when they're constructing the the shed or whatever, mm-hmm. it just made me think of Red Dead Redemption. Of course too. it did. <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? <laughs> they had said, you see the part where um, dad is in the cellar with like the tool yeah. and doing all that. Yeah. They said that Bill Paxton was actually on his knees because they weren't allowed to dig the hole. <gasps> Oh, uh, okay. To be ten feet deep. That's yeah. genius. And so it was a trick, but it just made me laugh. But adult Fenton says that his dad said that God would see to it that it would hold, and we see the three of them pushing with all their strength to move the shed on top of the freshly built cellar. Afterward, they sit in the shed, Dad commending the boys for a job well done, especially Fenton. Fenton remarks that he just did as he was told before heading back into the house alone. Dad ties a length of rope to the ceiling to create an opening for the door to the cellar, trying it for the first time successfully. Adult Fenton says that the next night, Dad brought home another demon. The next night? Yeah. yeah. That's why the angel was like, no, he needs to have it done yeah. by 5 <laughs> <laughs> Real important. Thing that he couldn't even let it, let it settle in for a little bit? No, the get... angel was very clear on that. Yeah. <laughs> But we watch as dad beckons Fenton into the cellar, Adam already standing there with a lantern. Teenage demon, played by Brad Berryhill, lies on the ground, tied up and crying for help behind a layer of duct tape. So Bill Paxton said that Brad Berryhill, I think it was the Beverly Hills Hotel, Mm -hmm. uh, parked cars there. Okay. And Bill Paxton, when he first started out, he also parked cars at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Oh, all right. And so he gave him this small part because it was kind of a thing of this is where I came from. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's cool. But in a surprising turn of events, dad attempts to hand Fenton the axe and he tells him, do it like I showed you the neck first. I feel like this is a really big ask. Mm-hmm. Yes. You guys are still rocky from the hole digging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh, no i just don't i I, no you know some dads like to play catch some like the game yeah some like to slay demons you know some Uh, but i never saw a conversation where he's like okay so you're gonna need the neck first yeah (laughs) well he's like you've seen me do it i thought we were talking about cooking chickens no 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 you've seen me do it plenty of times yeah (laughs) but fenton looks at the teenager then at the axe then at his father and then just takes off running back up the stairs of the cellar his dad cries out to him as he hoofs it down the street in a it's an unconvincing shot. It is hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. It was it's an homage. I think it's Invaders from Mars. It's like a science fiction film from like the 50s, I think. Mm-hmm. It was an homage to that of like someone running on a treadmill, clearly. Oh, okay. But there's a lot of stylistic choices that I appreciate Bill Paxton's um love for certain eras of film. Yeah. But they <laughs> Don't necessarily <laughs> work. This is one of them, and then there's one that is a bold. I know. Yeah, <laughs> is a bold I think choice. We all know what you're talking about. <laughs> but adult Fenton says that he half expected angels or God himself to come out of the night and stop him, but he had to do it. It had to end. Fenton reaches the sheriff station, calling out, but finding no one there. After seeing a sign that reads "Back in five minutes." Fenton runs to the house behind the station, pounding on the door until Sheriff Smalls, played by Luke Askew, answers, telling him to take it easy. He asks Fenton what his problem is, and we immediately cut to them sitting across from each other in the sheriff's office. Smalls just remarks, craziest story I've heard in a long time, and reaches for his phone, saying that he's going to call Fenton's dad and telling Fenton he should be ashamed of himself for making up stories like this. This is excellent police work. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
bang up job. <laughs> I and and I know we talk about it before about not you know adults not believing kids, but even if you know his dad and you know these kids, this sounds fucking out there to just be like you're making this shit up, kid. I I'd be like that's uh let's go come on. Isn't that, it isn't it enough to just investigate? Yeah, that's it. That's a really good point. And knowing the dynamic that they had before. Yeah. Fenton would not do this. They Never. were fine. Yeah. But Fenton promises that he's telling the truth. And when he offers to show the sheriff, Smalls puts the phone down and says, let's go. So much joy fills Fenton's face in this moment. But you know. Yeah. yeah. You just know. But they arrive at the Meek's house in the sheriff's truck. They step out and Fenton tries to lead him to the backyard, but he's been bamboozled. Smalls redirects him to the front door, saying that that's enough of that, and says that they should see what his dad has to say about all this. Smalls pounds on the door, and dad answers it. The sheriff apologizes for waking him, but says that Fenton appears to have a problem. Dad invites him inside, and Fenton follows sheepishly behind. Before they got there, the angel was like, now they are coming back. (laughs) Just be cool. (laughs) It's going to be fine. (laughs) On the phone, or how? Um... In the ceiling. In the ceiling, he mostly. Was, he was very clear about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the dining room table, and over a glass of sweet tea, Smalls explains what happened. Dad says that it's a shame that Fenton had to go and tell a lie like this to everyone in the sheriff's office. And Smalls like, ah, no, no worries. I'm the only one who was there, and I don't believe a word of it. You fool! Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yep, I'm the only witness, only one yeah. who heard that incriminating information, <laughs> me. It's like, dude. So if anything happened, yeah, you, you stepped right into it. If, yes. I yeah. di- if something, you know, like I died or something, it would die with me. Yeah. Nobody nobody else knows. This is great, sweet tea. <laughs> <laughs> How are things down at the garage? <laughs> but Small says that what confuses him is why Fenton would make up such a story. Dad says that Fenton is probably just upset over the recent punishment he gave him. Fenton calls bullshit, and Dad's like, I don't know what to do with him. (laughs) He's like, look, you see this? Parenting, right? But but again, we seen their dynamic earlier. That's not how they were. Not at all. You weren't having problems with them. You really want me to believe that this is over (laughs) you taking away his dinner or some shit or something that happened, you know? But the sheriff is like, hey, weren't you the kid I saw running away weirdly (laughs) (laughs) the other day? So, you know, he's already looking suspicious. Weirdly. (laughs) It was weird. (laughs) But Smalls just offers that once boys reach puberty, they stop respecting you. But he says that he and his son survived it, and so will he and Fenton. Fenton pleads with Smalls to just check the shed or the rose garden, and Smalls finally relents, saying that they should do it just to calm Fenton down. Dad just says, if it has to be done, it has to be done. He asks Fenton if it has to be done. And Fenton just stands there. That, as a third party. Yes. Why did you just ask him that like that? <laughs> yeah. No, and if I'm the sheriff, I'm like, you're under arrest. <laughs> no, yeah. Why did that, you that's look guilty. at him and say that? Yeah. yeah. That was, Excuse yeah. me. Mr. Yeah. Meeks, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> But we cut to the three of them heading out to the shed, and Fenton leads the way to the cellar. Dad lies, saying that he figured they should have a storm shelter, and gives Smalls a flashlight, telling him to watch his step, because he's not much of a carpenter. At the bottom, Smalls checks it out with Fenton, but doesn't see any evidence of any crimes. Fenton says that he swears that there was someone down here, 
but about the time he starts to blame his little brother, saying that he knows Adam has the boy somewhere. <laughs> Smalls has had enough. It's yeah. Like, it's like, come on, dude. That, that's a, that's, a, that's yeah. too far. Yeah. Because he goes, I know Adam's keeping him somewhere. It's like, Adam is keeping yeah. him. Your tiny baby brother? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But as Smalls goes for the exit, Fenton offers to show him where the bodies are buried. Smalls stops for a moment, looks at Fenton, and then just continues up the stairs. As Fenton continues to plead, we hear Smalls being struck with something. He tumbles back down the stairs, painfully falling on his spine, followed shortly by Dad, who wields Otis, which is stained in blood. Dad raises the axe tearfully, praying for Smalls. May God welcome you and keep you he brings the axe down killing smalls then is overcome with what he's done and vomits fenton just sinks into the shadows for some reason he homer simpson into the shadows <laughs> yeah um i just a, a few things uh the sheriff did not believe fenton he wasn't no. even trying to go look at the rose garden nothing he was leaving mm-hmm. um and you said that the angel said that people would be blind to what you were doing. Yeah. And that's what happened. The sheriff was not investigating anything any further. I don't, I, why did you kill him? There First was, of all, it's giving misery. Yeah. Uh, oh, ye of little faith. Yeah. Like, you were going to be fine. The angel said that you would be fine. But the angel also did say, if you tell anybody, someone yeah, will die. I, 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 mean, I, I, say. I feel like no. that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, well, <laughs> And even I don't really, I'm not going to say 100% like it, but I uh, I get it. So as long as we're following the rules, we're safe. But when you mm. draw attention to us from somebody else or something, then that's when problems happen. I guess. As long as we don't call any attention to us and we do do it the exact way we're told to do, we don't have to. I just feel like it would have made more sense if the sheriff was like, okay, yeah, show me the Rose Garden then or something. Yeah. And then dad's like, bah! but yeah. he was just like, All right. fuck off. And like, <laughs> I'm not going to bed. I'm going fishing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think, but then at this point, doesn't that by his own understanding make dad a demon now because he just murdered a man in cold blood? No, because the demons are actual demons. I, I, They're like from hell, right? Didn't he say that the devil was like, here? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. So like, it's not like you do something and that makes you a demon. Like you are an actual demon from from hell. jump. Yeah, yeah. And it would it would kind of I'm not gonna lie, it kind of fucked me up because you've never reacted this way before. No, no because he in his mind the yeah. sheriff was not a, a demon. He was a person. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I'd be like, well, fuck, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen him react dad i'm sorry i'm sorry, yeah. sorry. Like, oh, shit. you're really you really threw up and like you know what i mean you really well, <laughs> well because he's chopping up people before yeah, and he's I like they're demons this is fine but he, he kills but, the sheriff and he's that, like Whoa. that to me implies that he's pretended to throw up before <laughs> well you know oh shit you really he wasn't up. that nervous before <laughs> but that night in the rose garden Dad sits there stunned as Fenton digs the grave and Adam makes with the trash bags. Dad mumbles that he never killed a man before tonight, but Fenton counters that he's seen him kill plenty. Tearfully, Dad says those were demons and this was a man. Fenton says that he didn't have to do it, but Dad says that he had to protect their mission. He seizes Fenton, telling him that this man is dead because of him. 
He forces Fenton to look at Smalls, saying he's dead because Fenton has no faith and says that Fenton made him commit murder. Fenton says he didn't make him do anything. He did it because he's crazy. Dad throws Fenton to the ground before raising a shovel to murder him, and Adam forces him to stop. Dad drops the shovel before collapsing into sobs, and Adam consoles him. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, Dad. <laughs> I know you wanted to murder him. <laughs> we all feel that way about Fenton well, sometimes. He comforts him, and he's like, don't cry, Dad. And again, I, I love the devotion to your father. Yeah. I get it, but... You seen that he was fixing to fucking knock your brother's head off, right? Uh-huh. With yeah. that shovel. There's a, there's a chance you might if you don't listen. He just made you me might. think of the Evil Dead with. Well, the- yeah. <laughs> 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 um, you know what I mean? There's a chance you might be next, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We don't know what's going on with Dad. And again, I the way I I'm still looking at it is like. Fenton, he sees his little brother. He's like, oh, you're still young. Dad wasn't paying attention to you. He kept talking to me about seeing things, about understanding, and you were just going with it. Yeah. So again, it's like, dude, you don't see what's really happening here. Dad's, he's, but then again, he did throw up when he killed this guy. So I guess <laughs> he really did. I yeah. that that is, that's concrete that's, proof. Yes. That's evidence. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you really threw yeah. up. It's serious, dude. <laughs> but the family returns home but dad stops at the shed telling fenton to hold back and for adam to go inside alone fenton follows dad into the shed and in the light we see dad's clothes are covered in blood and as he cleans otis he tells fenton to close the door he asks fenton if he's afraid and fenton admits that he is dad asks of what and fenton says you but this was a trick question. As dad says, only demons should be afraid of him. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, because before all this happened, if I got in trouble, of course I was still afraid of you. Yes. You whoop my ass. Yeah. There was, that had nothing to do with yeah. me being a demon. At all. Ever. But he asks Fenton, you're not a demon, are you? He walks over to Fenton carrying Otis, only to put the axe on the wall and tells Fenton that the angel said that Fenton is a demon. So you and that angel are just yeah. sitting up in the house talking shit about me. Well, the thing was is that he never, <laughs> he didn't get a second list. So the angel's just like, you know, Fenton's a demon. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Let me talk to that angel real quick. By the way. <laughs> Fenton's like, since you got your degree, yeah. and you know every fucking thing. <laughs> Uh, P.S. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's a lot. Well, because yeah. earlier when he was like, he told me something that I don't want to believe it's true. Yeah. <laughs> just casually, like, know. you knew, but you, but you know that, right? Yeah, you live with it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Dad says he refuses to believe it, which again, that goes against his everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he caresses Fenton's cheek and says that he's his son and he loves him more than his own life. But he says what's funny about all of this is that he's actually afraid of Fenton. He then walks over to the door to the cellar and pulls it open with the rope. He ties it off and beckons Fenton inside. He says that he doesn't want to do this, but he has to. He says he had to kill a man tonight and he never wants to do that again. Fenton begs not to go inside, promising not to tell, but dad says that he can't trust Fenton anymore. Fenton says he's sorry, and Dad says that he is too, but this has to be done. Fenton makes a break for it, but Dad grabs him, carrying him into the cellar and dropping him at the bottom. 
As Fenton cries and begs to be let out, Dad just tells him to pray to God for a vision, saying only he can help him now. Fenton pleads with his father as he nails the door to the cellar shut and leaves Fenton in total darkness. When he throws him in there and locks him in there, he keeps saying, it's me, Fenton. Yeah. That was fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Because he's like, I don't know like what you're going through, but uh, like, hello. Or what yeah. you see. Yeah, yeah. That was very sad. But the next morning, Fenton wakes up on the stairs of the cellar as Adam comes inside the shed to bring him a glass of water. Fenton begs to be let out, but Adam says that dad says he has to stay down here. He can't bring him any food. But dad says that he can have a cup of water a day. A cup a day? Yeah, that's I do rough. appreciate Adam always coming in clutch with the water. Yes. Mm. But why was that cup not filled to the brim? If I can only have one a day. Well, he might, it might have been and he spilled it on the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, I was rushing out I'm here, 10 dude. years old. Yeah. <laughs> I was worried about you, Fenton. <laughs> well, he does say that he, he can bring him more if he can. He does. If he can. If he can. He's going to do his best. Yeah. Mm, that's a lot. But Fenton tries to level with his brother, telling him that their dad is going to kill him. But Adam says that he can't let him out. Instead, he just pours water into a knot hole in the cellar door for Fenton to drink. Fenton drinks as much as he can, and after that need is met, he asks Adam once again to get him out of here. Adam says their dad told him that Fenton will probably be out of there by the end of the week, and that he'll pray for him. Fenton is stunned to hear this, saying he can't possibly survive that long, but Adam just rushes off as Fenton calls after him, banging on the door. He said, thoughts and prayers. Yeah. And he's gone. The end of the week. Yeah. It better be Friday. Yeah. <laughs> we have this afternoon. Yeah, you're good. But in the present day, Fenton says that the days came and went down there, and he counted them by the light that came through the cracks of the cellar and how often Adam returned with water. He says he only slept when he passed out from exhaustion. As the camera floats past Fenton in the backseat of the car... Doyle asks if his dad ever came back to check on him, and Fenton says that he did, on the seventh day. Back in 1979, Dad wrenches the door open and Fenton looks up at him. Dad just asks, has God spoken to you yet? Hoarsely, Fenton chokes out, there is no God. Dad just slams the door closed and nails it shut once again. I truly admire his bravery and boldness, because the second dad started closing that cellar back i'd be like what <laughs> please, 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 please. it's just an inside joke me and god have. we're best friends now i feel like but i think i but again i think that's the thing for me is that fenton i feel could very easily lie and it's surprising that he doesn't yeah like i'm very surprised that he didn't well i i feel like it makes sense with who we know Fenton to be uh-huh. because he was tearing up his fucking hands. Like yeah. He shouldn't even hold a fork. He's stubborn as fuck. And he's no, I don't believe this. And I'm not budging. Like mm-hmm. I'm not moving. But adult Fenton says that he lost count of the days after that and that it felt like weeks. He says he finally went beyond fear into total insanity. And in a shot that always made me laugh as a kid. Yes. <laughs> The camera pulls back from young Fenton's face, floating in total darkness. <laughs> it looked funny. <laughs> yeah. it, was an, it was an odd choice. Yeah. It it does it it is cool. It does not fit this movie. No. no. Um I remember when I was a kid, around the same time that this movie came out, the hives hate to say I told you so video yep. was out and there was a shot pretty similar to this. <laughs> and we always said that yeah, when we were watching. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. But he says that he saw God and was given a vision. 
He says he finally understood his destiny, just as dad said he would. Some indistinct time later, Fenton is found unresponsive in the cellar, his dad opening the door as quickly as he can and cradling his son in his arms. He carries Fenton out and dips his hand into Fenton's water cup and puts it to Fenton's lips. Fenton wakes up and barely croaks. Dad, I saw God. Dad is relieved and gives Fenton a full sip of the water. So um, this shot of him cradling Fenton, Mm -hmm. I heard on commentary was a reference to Michelangelo's La Pieta of Mary cradling Jesus. Oh, Oh, okay. I do want to point out as like just a personal sidebar. I've been watching Hannibal with Jules and it's been like the most fun ever. Jules will send me messages of these amazing references to artworks in Hannibal and it always like blows my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I felt a lot like Jules in this moment. And I I hope they're proud of me. (laughs) (laughs) But back inside, Fenton is going ham on some food and he apologizes for ever doubting his father. Dad apologizes too. But Adam keeps asking questions about God and what he looked like. But dad stops him, telling him to just let his brother eat. It did bum me out that he hasn't eaten in weeks and he had a TV dinner waiting for him. Yeah. Uh, that sucked. But also, <laughs> you cannot fault Adam because you can't say something like, oh, I saw God and I talked to him. Leave me alone. It's like, no, I got I, a yeah. lot of questions. Too many questions. Yeah. And I'm the one that's been on board since day one. I didn't get no fucking God visit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's annoyed. Yeah. yeah. He's annoyed. He's like, all I've seen are demons, but Fenton gets to see God. And dad's like, that's true. But look at the price that Fenton paid for it. He did pay a price. He Well, hold on, though. This isn't pay-per-view, though. I'm not <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't want to pay for this shit to <laughs> pay see. Per- like, pay-per-view. I'm just saying, you know, you pay, you see WWE. It's like, oh, hey, this is great. <laughs> but this is, you know what I mean? What, WWF back in the day. Right. Um, but just- I don't want, I don't want to be in the cellar. I don't. No. I don't no. want to see to see a vision. I'm good. Y'all were just talking this morning about how Vince McMahon fought God in that one match, and that's what that made me. Think yeah, of. I don't quite <laughs> understand at, at all. Vince, no. no. He's like, I got him on. He's in. He's in my phone. You yeah. want to meet him? I'll get him. He's a demon too, though. <laughs> oh, Vince. Vince? Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's on Dad's list. Yeah. <laughs> But dad just tussles Fenton's hair, saying that that's all behind them now, and today is a new day. Fenton agrees, and when Adam asks if they're going to get another demon now, dad says, after a while, when Fenton's ready. And a week later, Fenton was ready. The van parks outside the home of Brad White, played by Alan Davidson, in Dallas. Dad makes sure that Fenton is ready, and Fenton assures him that he is. Dad hands him a pair of gloves that he's bought him, saying that he'll need them now that God has spoken to him. Adam eagerly wants to join them, but Dad tells him to stay in the van. But he tells him not to worry, because his time will come. <laughs> Adam, he, oh, he gets that, get that cat out of the way, <laughs> all the time. He's like, this is about fitting. Yeah, but he gets yeah. his hair tussled quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but gets, come on, man. Gets called a tiger, which he is w- a, <laughs> a great animal. He wants to be with that cat. <laughs> A great <laughs> Precisely. I missed the joke. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> great job. But after grabbing the lead pipe, Dad heads out with Fenton as Adam watches him through the windshield. They creep around the side of the house, Dad nodding approvingly to Fenton before knocking on the door. With a raspy voice and a bad attitude, Brad joins them outside as Dad makes up a lie about a flat tire, asking if Brad has a tire iron that they could borrow. Brad asks them what's with the gloves, but Dad just says that it was to change the tire. 
This eases Brad's concern, but all this is interrupted when Brad's uncredited wife calls out from the house, asking what's going on outside. Brad shouts back to his wife to mind her own fucking business. He also calls her the B word, which is unacceptable. But he turns back to dad and Fenton and mutters, goddamn women. But he offers to help them with their flat. They follow Brad behind the house and Brad <laughs> is literally, he's walking like a demon, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a demon. I don't know why he's walking like this. I'm so glad that you mentioned it <laughs> because I, I've been sitting here this whole time trying not to laugh. <laughs> it's because unbelievable. I, I literally, I never noticed it before no. watching it for the show. I rewound it and was fucking laughing because it was like a cartoon. Yes. Yeah. See, a, a couple notes on Brad. We love a mesh top. Okay? Right. Appreciate it. This man is evil. <laughs> everybody else, everybody else that has it's, it's questionable. been a secret yeah. demon seems like a human. <laughs> this man, I, I believe. <laughs> well, that's my note. I believe that he's like, a demon. He's yeah. still getting used to his human skin. <laughs> Clearly. Walking walk the way he is. Yeah. <laughs> if you have frailty on hand, go back and watch him walking to the shed. <laughs> I was fucking, I've been sitting here trying to be quiet. This I don't know. I don't know if Bill Paxton pulled him aside. And he's like, no, more evil. <laughs> I need it to leap out of you. It's like a cartoon. I'm sorry. It's, I'm done. It's, it's too it, much. It brought me um a lot of joy. Well, because watching this whole little scene, you're like, oh, no, I can see why he needs to be roughed up. Absolutely. Like, it's like, oh, you're a demon. Yes. That, like you said, T, the rest of them, nothing. This guy is like, come on. Man. Oh, I understand. Yeah, I, was like, I get it. What now. are you wearing those gloves? Yeah, like, oh my no, God. God. <laughs> and then it gets even worse in a minute. It's like, yeah. why, why are you doing <laughs> this? <laughs> I just don't understand. <laughs> but Brad opens up the shed and looks around. But then, very strangely, Brad finds the tire iron and attacks Dad with it, hitting him in the ribs. Fenton rescues his father by clubbing Brad over the head with something blunt, and Dad finishes knocking him out with that lead pipe. Well, when they're in the garage, Fenton is backing up, and he knocks a tool down. Well, the demon looks and sees <laughs> Dad just in time with the pipe. <laughs> and that's why. And he's like, oh, and then he gets the, you know what I mean? Oh. He loses the element of surprise. Okay. Right. And then, if, you know, Fenton's got to <laughs> jump in and be like, oh, fuck. It all it all just happened so fast that no, I thought did. that the demon. Yeah. <laughs> attacked him. That's attacked what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, why is this happening? Yeah. But I guess. Because he's a demon, yeah. dude. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. <laughs> But we fade to black, and when we fade back in, Fenton stands holding Otis as Dad lights a lantern in the cellar. Still feeling the effects of Brad's attack, Dad kneels down with his gloves on, waking Brad up and calling him by his name. Brad looks up at them, and Dad tells Fenton that he's been waiting for this moment ever since this all started. Fenton tells his father that he's ready to fulfill his destiny. Dad tells Fenton, I'm proud of you, son. <laughs> this made me think of Mac. <laughs> <laughs> but dad returns to Brad, removing his glove and touching him on the forehead. Adam looks on like, God. <laughs> <laughs> As dad reacts violently once again to his perceived evil. Dad pulls himself away, stands up and looks over at Fenton, telling him to destroy Brad. The music grows tense as Fenton steps up, raising the axe over Brad as Brad looks up fearfully. His teeth clenched and the music mounting, Fenton finally swings the axe right into Dad's chest. 
Dad stumbles back as Adam cries out to him, and he rushes to his father's side. Dad just stares at Fenton, but then looks away, turning to whisper something into Adam's ear, and they both turn to look at Fenton. We don't hear what is said. It's kind of like lost in translation. Yeah. Fenton, Fenton's a demon. <laughs> that's what he said. The angel told me. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the fuck he said. And Adam's like, I'm starting to believe that you didn't see God at all. Dude. Yeah. Plus, you've told us or kind of implied a couple of times that he's a demon. Imp- yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You explicitly said. Yeah. yeah. The angel told me you were a demon. Yeah. <laughs> But dad gazes a gazely stare before his eyes glaze over and he slips into death. Fenton kneels down to Brad's side, removing the tape from his mouth. But as soon as he does, Brad just loudly screams, no. And we see Adam rushing over, wielding the axe and bringing it down into Brad, killing him. Or maybe that's what he told him. Kill him after after I check out. (laughs) Um, This scared me as a kid. Yeah, Yeah. me too. Every single time, even though I've seen it (laughs) online, I somehow forgot. You know what Adam's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. But in the present day, Fenton says that they buried dad in the Rose Garden and sometime later went to the sheriff's office and told him that their dad just didn't come home that day. They filed a missing persons report, but never found anything. After that, he and Adam were sent to separate orphanages. He says that nobody ever knew anything about this until now. Doyle asks if Adam ever told anyone, but Fenton just shuts down completely, asking Doyle if they can just sit here for a while because he doesn't feel like talking anymore. The sound of the windshield wipers and the road beneath them accompanies the patter of rain as the car dips to silence. But they finally reach their destination, the Rose Garden. So, on commentary, Paxton said that what they park in front of is supposed to be what's left of the foundation of the Meek's home. Oh, mm. uh, okay. But it's not very clear. Yeah. yeah. I was, I won't lie, I was a little confused. I was like, where the fuck did y'all come? Yeah. He says that if he could do it again, he would put them parking in front of the gates of the Rose Garden. Oh, yeah. See, that, that would at least give us a hint of where the fuck they're at. Yeah. yeah. Oh, everything's torn down now or whatever. And that's fine. Yeah. But Doyle gets out and lets Fenton out of the back seat. Doyle follows Fenton and asks him to tell him more about the promise that he made to his brother. Fenton says that it was later on that same night. The camera dips down to the broken sculpture of an angel, but then it rises in the same shot to find young Fenton digging a grave for their father in 1979. This was all captured in camera. Damn. Really? Yeah. It was the same uh, shot just set up on the... It was great. That's cool. Adam cradles dad as Fenton digs, but we then get POV shots from the grave itself as dad is buried. Adam stares at Fenton, full of fury. Fenton tells his brother that if he ever destroys him, to promise to bury him here. Adam, with anger in his eyes, <laughs> he's like, I swear to God, I'll bury you here, yeah. Fenton. He's- well, because he's like, because I'm absolutely gonna fucking destroy <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> and after I do, I will bring you here. Yeah. <laughs> you can bet your life on that. <laughs> But the camera pans over to present day, and Doyle is very confused. Adam promised Fenton that he'd bury him here if he killed him. Fenton corrects him. Not killed. Destroyed. Doyle still doesn't follow, saying that it doesn't make any sense. But Fenton turns around to face him and says that it does make sense. If the man standing in front of him is Adam Meeks. (gasps) (laughs) Right? So you're a demon or you're not? <laughs> no. Who's the demon? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, it, was, it was funny to me. Like, to me, this is an excellent reveal. 
I was like, holy fucking shit. And if you even think about it, the actors that play them as adults yes. look like right, right. who they're supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it made me laugh because Doyle raises the flashlight to look him in the face like he has any fucking idea who Fenton or yeah. Adam are. <laughs> no. I grew up with yeah. Adam Meeks. <laughs> You're not Adam Meeks. I was like, why did he? He's like, oh, he yeah. looks up at his face. You don't know these people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he could say my name is Ronald McDonald. And you don't yeah. know them. But Doyle does shine the flashlight into his face, and we see a flashback of young Adam rushing to Brad White with the axe to murder him that night. So, yes, adult Fenton Meeks has been Adam Meeks this entire time. Doyle says that Adam killed all those people, but Adam corrects him once again. He never killed anyone in his life. Fenton was the God's Hand killer. Adam offers to show Doyle where he buried Fenton, and Doyle follows with his gun at the ready, telling Adam to take it real slow. He's like, do it the brisket way. (laughs) (laughs) When he, when he's like, I've never killed anybody. Fenton was the killer or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so he's talking about their dad. And then I was like, no, wait. Yes. See, and this is where (laughs) this This bothers me. I never, I don't think as many times as I fucking watch this. I don't think I fully digested that Fenton is a he's a fucking serial killer. Yes, running around just like on this. That's like just a side plot. Yeah, <laughs> that he's an he's a a serial killer. Yeah, I didn't catch that to this watch either. And I I'm I'm gonna be a little honest. I don't wh- where did that come from? I didn't see any of that during this movie because well, c- okay no yeah yeah yeah. But they pass the sad dog sculpture from before and head into the rose garden. There, they find a grave site surrounded by rocks with white flowers growing out of it. But behind that site, Doyle finds numerous burial mounds. Doyle is confused again, saying that there are too many graves here. There are only supposed to be six victims. Adam says that Fenton didn't bury his victims here. He kept them as trophies in his basement. This is where Adam put demons. So does, like, nobody come here? I don't know. Because you've been hours away this whole time, and those are graves. Yeah. Like just open graves. That's true. And wasn't this a neighborhood before? Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's all, if their house is dilapidated and gone. I guess, but it's still a public garden. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it belongs to the bees now. <laughs> all those bodies ruined the ground. It's yeah, like, it's, it's, it's yeah. Nobody comes here anymore. Mm. But Doyle asks if Adam thought Fenton was a demon, and Adam says that he was. He kneels down to the plants growing out of Fenton's grave and says that their father knew the truth, but just couldn't accept it. He says God asked his father to kill his son, much like in the Bible, when he asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, but he couldn't do it, and God didn't take pity on him like he did Abraham. Adam rises to face Doyle, saying that after that, God handed the duty down to him. He says Fenton knew that he'd come sooner or later, which is why he left the notes to lure him in. But Adam says that he had to wait until God put him on his list. He says to come before that would have been murder. But why? I think I'm still confused about Fenton being a serial killer. I personally don't like it because in my head, like when I was a kid, I thought that this entire time, um, whenever Adam is, uh, he's revealed to be Adam. Right. He killed Fenton because of, you know, old history. Right, right, right. right. That's all I thought. I didn't realize. I thought he was framing Fenton to be the God's Hand killer because he was the God's Hand killer. Yeah. That's what I thought. No. But that's not at all what's happening. I just don't. So how did that come up in conversation with the angel if he was, if if like 30 years go by and he's still not on any list? 
is the angel like now one day like yeah. your son is a demon and you're gonna have like what was that and why know. wasn't he on the list if he's just out here murdering people or even adam's list if he's taken over why is it not like hey you got to stop your brother I don't like that Fenton's a demon at all. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I, I prefer the ambiguity and possibly the father having just made it all up. Yeah. That, yeah. I think, is a... But if you do that, you don't have a twist. Unless Adam was really, truly brainwashed as a kid. Yeah. That, well, yeah. That's what, but but that's then that's what, even more interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that that would have worked better or just really leaning on that. I'm a big fan of ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Leaning on that instead of oh, no 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 yeah. and then it, it only like it becomes more concrete yeah. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yes but we see adam standing outside of fenton's house on the night of his death as fenton sits inside drinking whiskey and listening to peace in the valley by johnny cash he's like no that happened that was- <laughs> <laughs> we paid for the rights it happened <laughs> but he picks up a photo of himself adam and his father in better times on a fishing trip Fenton types away on his typewriter as Adam creeps in and approaches him from behind in a POV shot. As soon as he reaches Fenton, Fenton raises his head and asks, Adam? With tears in his eyes, Adam brings down the lead pipe to Fenton's head. In the present day, Doyle is dumbstruck, remarking, Jesus Christ, you actually believe this stuff. Adam says he always believed, and we flash back to Adam as a child and we hear him say the words once again, I see it when he touches him. <laughs> that always stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I see it when he touches him. We see dad sees the arm of Cynthia Harbridge. And in a flashback, she smokes a cigarette in bed next to a man whose throat has been slit. When dad touches the head of Edward March, we see him luring a young girl into his car and dragging her lifelessly out of it later. I James Cameron actually viewed portions of the film and helped bill paxton Mm -hmm. telling him because the original idea was to put these flashbacks when dad touches them ah okay and james cameron too much too uh too soon and it gives up the ambiguity completely and so he's like put it at the end and i'm glad he did well i'm glad he did but i'm also not glad he did yeah yeah but if he was gonna do it at all yes Yeah. yeah but doyle tells adam that he's crazy he goes, Fenton, Adam, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, have you been listening at all? He's Adam. He's Adam, dude. <laughs> I just told you. Yeah, he made that very clear. But Doyle says that all he knows is that Adam is a murderer and he's got him now. Adam says that that might be true, but that's not going to bring Doyle's mother back now, is it? Doyle looks taken aback as Adam reminds him that she's dead and her killer got away, didn't he? Doyle goes to strike him with his gun, but Adam blocks it and in doing so grabs Doyle's arm, triggering a cutscene. <laughs> in a flashback, we see Doyle's mother hanging laundry outside of their house, but with anger filling his eyes, a younger Doyle stands behind her. He turns her around and brings the knife down into her. In the present day, Doyle is weakened enough for Adam to snag the keys for his handcuffs. Doyle weakly asks how Adam knew, and Adam just tells him as he unlocks the cuffs, you were on my list. For some reason, Adam touches Doyle again, going in for another taste of the past. Well, he had to be sure. I'm not sure why. (laughs) (laughs) But we see the murder continue, and a younger Doyle relishes in it as blood covers his face, and his mother clutches at the previously cleaned but now blood-soaked linens hung out to dry. This is a psycho homage. Oh, okay. Yeah. Take a shower. Yeah, Yeah. take a shower. (laughs) But he asks Doyle, 
you didn't think anybody knew about that, did you? But he says that God knew, and that's why you sent him. He lifts Doyle up and tosses him into a pre-dug grave in the ground. Doyle says that he's an FBI agent, and people will come looking for him. But Adam disagrees, taking off his jacket, saying that they'll come looking for Fenton, because Doyle is going to be his last victim. Doyle reminds Adam that they've seen him and will know it was him, but Adam just reaches into the shrubs, retrieving an old friend, Otis. He holds the axe in his hands and says that God will protect him. Doyle stares up in horror as Adam brings the axe down. The fact that he had him drive himself here. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you got to admire it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of dedication there, but at the same time, why didn't he treat this like all of his other murders? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm going to tell him everything. Yeah. <laughs> he's got, you know, he's, he can't live with what he knows anymore. Right. He said yeah, it point yeah, blank. Yeah, to tell somebody. I guess. You know? Yeah. I f- a full film worth. Yeah. yeah. But in all honesty, he's I lived a life, dude. He couldn't live with what he knows anymore. I thought that was uh, him saying that he knew that Doyle killed his mother. Ah, okay. Yeah, maybe. Not so 1979. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, that's why he didn't shake his hand at the beginning. Yes. And he didn't let him touch his head yep. when he put him in the car. Oh, okay. Very good. I thought that was something else that we're going to find out in a minute. Okay. That he's like, no, I know my way around this. Yeah. Oh, that could be both. Yeah. Hmm. But the next day, the camera follows FBI agents around the office, setting in on Griffin being interviewed by colleagues. We hear him say that it's all a blur and he doesn't understand. He looked right at him and shook his hand. An uncredited agent rushes in, saying that they have a problem and need to take a look at this. He pops a videotape into a nearby VCR, and it shows security footage from the night before. Adam is shown sitting there in the lobby, but the second he raises his head, the footage where he's seen gives way to static, obscuring his face. Well, I'll be damned. Yeah. yeah. And again, this, again, I'm not a big fan of. No, not really. Not to quote Sonny, but the implication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's upsetting. Yeah. It's a little troubling, yeah. for sure. But they say that it has to be a fake name that he used. Fenton Meeks? But we cut to the FBI outside of Fenton's home, raiding it with all agents on deck, finding not only Fenton's trophies and newspaper clippings on the pin board, but a list of names that ends with Wesley Doyle. An agent tells Griffin that there's no one here, but he reveals something that they found in the basement. Doyle's blood-covered badge. Griffin asks if Doyle is down there too, and the agent replies, not him. So Adam went back to the house and planted the badge yes and so was that adam's list that he stuck up on the board or was that fenton's list and then adam wrote <laughs> wesley doyle at the bottom of it i don't know honestly if adam left his actual list that's real bad. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> because there were other names on there dude yeah <laughs> yeah his was last yeah. yeah but the next day griffin arrives at the enid county sheriff's office and is greeted by becky who is revealed to be pregnant when she turns around to speak to him Griffin says that he's looking for the sheriff, and Becky calls out for him. We see the sheriff enter the room, and it's none other than Adam Meeks. <gasps> yeah. Wow. After a dolly zoom shot on Griffin, which is clearly an homage to Jaws. Yeah. Which, I thought that was great. Yeah. Because yeah. he's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Take a swim. Uh, <laughs> Griffin greets Adam as if he's never seen him before. He introduces himself and says that he needs to ask him some questions about his brother, Fenton. Adam invites him to talk to him around back, but we don't see this conversation. Instead, we cut to a bit later, Adam ushering the agent out of the office, thanking him for coming by to tell him personally, 
and Griffin saying that they wanted to notify him before they went public. Adam offers assistance if there's anything he can do, but Griffin says that they've got it covered. He just asks Adam to contact him if he knows where Fenton could have disappeared to. Griffin goes to shake Adam's hand, and he holds it there for a moment. When nothing happens as Adam shakes it, Adam just tells him, You're a good man, Agent Hull. What are we? Griffin, yeah. <laughs> Griffin looks very confused because this seems like something that the God's Hand Killer would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes straight to his car. Adam watches as Griffin gets into his car and drives away. But Becky, who it turns out is Adam's wife, joins him outside. She asks him if everything's okay, and he says everything is just fine. God's will has been served. Becky praises God, rubbing her husband's shoulder as the camera pulls back. Adam kisses her forehead, and they head back inside the sheriff's station. Two boys, played by the actors who played young Adam and young Fenton, ride by on scooters. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read that he wanted it to be like this like cyclical, like circular, almost dreamy moment. Okay. Because you don't know that it's them, you no, know? No. So um I mean and that's what it is. And she's pregnant. Yeah. And what's gonna happen with that baby? The same thing that happened with dad and Adam. Mm -hmm. It's it's gonna continue, you know? But we fade to black and the credits roll. So, what did you guys think of Frailty? I really like this movie. There's um for me, there's there's some uh, religious, I guess, undertones to it, and I'm not a, I'm also not a very religious person. Um, it it is a really good movie, and it's scary. But the for me, the scary thing is to think that uh, someone could go on and kill people, and that and get away with it, and be protected by this deity or this thing that they believe in, and it's okay. Like, that's just okay. That's, that's a justifiable reason for murder is because God told me it's okay and is always going to protect me and save me and I'm never going to get caught. That's, that's a bit concerning to have. And I know that's not what this movie's doing or what the message, but it's, it is, uh, it, it's very strange to me that that is. And I would never think that. And then watching it for the show, I was like, man, this is, this is kind of, it's a little weird. You know what I mean? Finishing it. I was like, so does that, I don't understand the messaging here. I'm not, you know, it is a really good solid movie. I don't have any, but it's just the, the feeling I got from afterwards, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was uh, upsetting Yeah, because the fact that they come out the victors and yeah. they're like, praise God yeah, at the it's... end. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Um, whoa plus like what exactly i'm i'm just confused as to really what these demons are because we only got to see like two pieces well three i guess if you count doyle of yeah. what they've done and like regular people murder people too uh -huh. so like i i don't i don't know i don't know but um <laughs> it was interesting to me that even roger ebert gave this four stars really he did um i still think that it's a great movie that is very troubling mm -hmm. <laughs> looking at it through that lens but also brent hanley the screenwriter mm -hmm. um had said kind of about the meaning of the title because they wanted to change the title a lot to god's hand or hand of god or something like that because they're like who's gonna go see fucking frailty yeah. like what does that even mean but he 
and Bill Paxton fought to keep the title because they said that they liked an ambiguous title and they said that it was in reference to how frail kind of morality can be Mm. and right and wrong and belief and stuff like that. So I think that it does kind of make you question who is the bad guy and off mic. You guys had talked about kind of the ominous music that plays when they are praising God at the end. Who are we rooting for here? Because you are killing people. And then you went and framed your breath. Like it, 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 Oh yeah, he did. It seems a little little (laughs) weird. Like that. We're like, Oh, and you know, the tapes, he was saved. You know what I mean? It it is weird. It, It makes you question. Well, it's right. Because, this is what you believe you know it's it's yeah. it's scary in that context and you know i i think that it um it on one hand makes it more effective and more scary and on the other hand it's like what are we seeing here yeah like it, it yeah. is it is a little uh, you know a little weird yeah i think the Bold. message ends up a little confused yeah mm-hmm. i think the way to save or preserve a message for me is to not actually make Fenton a demon (laughs) (laughs) you know I think that if you have it to where and um clearly Adam everything is real yeah yes they've proven that yeah the ambiguity is ruined with the tapes it's ruined with uh I mean the fact that he was like God or the angel said you were a demon and then he becomes a serial killer yeah you know what I mean oh he was yeah he actually Um, was I, I think that my thing is that um as a non-religious person, I always feel weird talking about religion because yeah. I never want to offend anyone. No. But I think my thing about it is I think everyone can come together and say religious zealotry yes. is dangerous. Good. It can yes. be dangerous. Any Anything taken to any extreme can be a dangerous thing. Yeah. And so I think that that could have been the message here if they really put it on at the end for it to be like, no, Fenton was just a normal dude. Yeah. Yeah. He was never a serial killer. Adam was brainwashed by their father. Yeah. And then he became a serial killer and framed his brother for it. And that's always a uh, compelling story to me. I like, and, um, ready or not when he's like, I, you realize you'll do just about anything as long as your family says it's okay. Yeah. You know, that dynamic of, Oh, that's just what we've done. Or that's what my dad did. Or my mom always did. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm that um kind of cycle of toxicity or whatever it is yeah that's always an interesting theme to explore but yeah. it's like nah fenton was a demon yeah, dude. yeah that, <laughs> i don't know what to tell you and that kind of takes that, that yeah <laughs> you said bold and yes yeah. yeah but um and the way it ends it really does it's like they've done it and it's it's good bart did that yeah, <laughs> yeah. and but mm, yeah you know, so it, it kind of complicates things. Yeah. Especially watching it as an adult, understanding everything now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I guess that can lead us into ratings. Look, I'm going to be honest. I have a lot of nostalgic love for this film. And it does carry a lot of weight for me because of how much we watched it at such a formative age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say on the positive side, Bill Paxton was an excellent director. Oh, yeah. yeah. As well as an actor, because the performance he gives in this film is very impactful. Mm-hmm. And it really could have dipped into Jack Torrance territory. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Nothing against Jack Nicholson, but we knew that something was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before they got to the. <laughs> yeah. He was angry at the beginning. He was. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the car, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he kept it so level mm-hmm. and he kept it so much with care yeah because he loved his sons and that never changed yeah um i think the performances of the child actors are really good cinematography is fantastic Mm -hmm. and the score yeah wonderful 
Um, also the editing, all these transitions and going back to the past, coming back. Yeah. And like floating heads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like that scene. Didn't they do that in Tommy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, but I mean, the, the negative side, I think that losing that ambiguity so certainly kind of hurts it. Yeah. I'll give you that. And you know what? You maybe even still be able to preserve the twist. You might not be able to kill Doyle in the way that you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can preserve the twist of him being Adam at the end, even if Fenton isn't the killer. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just, it's, it's not that it's doing too much. It's just that it's doing things in a way that kind of hurt whatever message they're attempting to tell. Mm -hmm. Because we spent this whole time rooting for Fenton because he's kind of standing up to this idea of zealotry. He has his own beliefs and he stands strong in them, which is admirable. Yeah. But then it's like, no, he's actually just a demon. Yeah. And he's going to grow up to kill innocent people. Yeah. For really no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, let's not discount his fucking traumatic ass okay. childhood. Yeah, yeah. Very fair point. Very fair point. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like if they had changed that just a little bit, it could have been different for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean, look, you know, it's a, it's a good movie. It's very well made. I just think that it doesn't completely work all the way for me. Right. But for me, out of ten destroyed demons, I am gonna give frailty. 7.5 destroyed demons out of 10. I think it's just with the confusion of the messaging that falters and as impactful as the twist is, I think that we could have made it work without actually making Fenton a demon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll now open the floor to you. So honestly, for, for me, it's the exact same thing. Okay. I enjoyed the movie and I don't have the nostalgia attached to it, but I do enjoy the movie a lot and it was it is a good movie and i would recommend anyone to watch it um but it it did towards the end and again and i did used to go to church i went to bible college i did all that good stuff like i get it but again it does feel a little strange the the undertone of it and, and it's just uh, that the confusion of that so are they good in doing god's work or are they bad and they're like i don't understand because i mean i don't i don't think that what they're doing is right <laughs> i mean you're just i get it whatever but i mean we're i don't think we, we should be killing people no. like that um and it is strange and i feel like it would have worked maybe a little better if Fenton wasn't a demon. Yeah. And even in the flashbacks, if they didn't change into demons and Adam was forcing himself to think that he was seeing this and it really wasn't what was going on, that that too, it it's it is very strange um doing that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and like like uh like you said, babe, what the you know, they're like praise Jesus or whatever, praise God, and then the, the music is very That's evil. Scary. And it's like, I don't, what message are we getting here? I don't understand which side I'm supposed to be standing on here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, it is very weird. But um, I, I do enjoy the movie. If you've never seen it, I'd recommend people to watch it. It's, it's a good thing. Um, but for me, on a scale of one to 10, destroyed demons. You got it. I'm also going to give Frailty a 7.5. I did enjoy it, but but after watching it in its entirety and kind of picking up on all the little you know things underneath, I was like, I don't, I I don't know how we feel about that. 
Like, I don't know. That's also a dangerous mindset to have. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To believe that you're going to be protected no matter what because of something you believe. Like, that's, I mean, everybody's free to believe what they want and do whatever they want, and that's fine, and I've got no problem with that. But that's dangerous to be like, no, I'm going to be shrouded in darkness every time I kill a demon, and no one's ever going to say that. Uh, calm down. You know what I mean? Chill out. <laughs> Take a nap or eat a, sni a Snickers or something. <laughs> let's not let's not go to that let's extreme. Center yeah, ourselves. yeah. Yes. Let's meditate for a minute. You know what I mean? Let's not do that. No, I agree. I feel like that's something that was kind of lost on me all the times that I watched it when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I do think, and I will give the benefit of the doubt, that I think that that is part of the point. Okay. I think that we are supposed to question perception and stuff like that i think about the line where he was like my world was flipped upside down and there were dark things underneath that we have this veil of oh, i'm doing something righteous or i'm protected or da 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 but is that right does that make it okay does that does that mean it because your dad did it is it the right thing to do or you know what i mean it makes you ask all those questions that are scary questions mm -hmm. and on top of that i mean well, hell of a twist uh, you know <laughs> i i i love that um this is very high nostalgia for me it is high rewatchability because going back you do see those moments of oh he didn't touch him for that reason or oh you know that's why dad was acting weird in that scene because you know the devil <laughs> the, the devil the, the <laughs> your son's a demon or whatever yeah. <laughs> you, you were just told you're upset yeah um I was getting, <laughs> you feel like there's going to be a moment of, you know, especially that scene with him in the garage. Yes. That something is wrong. Um, you, you're, you've had some kind of episode or seizure or something and you're seeing something that's not there, you know, but to lose all that is, uh, sucks <laughs> like that, that, that is disappointing. I feel like this could almost be. Honestly, a 10 for me, if we would have retained ambiguity at the yeah. end. Yeah. And that was what that was the shot we were talking about in the yeah. garage. Like you uh -huh. said, that's when I was like, huh. If there yeah. was any hesitation of, is this really what's going on? Or maybe even having dad and Adam seeing two different things. Okay. Or maybe a scene where dad's like, he, and he even said he hurt little children. Or I know she looks like a lady, but blah, blah, blah. And then you planted that in this little boy's head. So he's going to see that. You see your dad, mm -hmm. Whoa! you know, like freaking out while in, and you're kind of superimposing your idea onto that. Like to me, that's just a more interesting story. Yes. And I think that we get shades of that, but it's not followed through completely. Mm -hmm. Can't say enough. Bill Paxton. Again, like I said at the top, above or above the camera. He was floating above it <laughs> in front of and behind the camera. Just fucking excellent work. Um, we really lost a good one. He's another one that I keep. I always forget. And then it yeah. makes me sad. Mm -hmm. Very um, sad. But yeah, I, I feel like this is a really great film. I think it makes for a very interesting conversation. And I will say, if you saw it when you were younger, watch it again. Because it, it it's a different lens uh, as an adult, yeah. for sure. Um, but all that being said, and there is, you know, a little extra a cherry on top for nostalgia. Of course. Like a of course. Um, I'm going to give on a scale from one to 10 destroyed demons. There you go. I'm giving frailty 8.5. Okay. The messaging is scary and disturbing, but I think it's supposed to be. 
I think. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> I hope that he's not like, and that is that. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And God said to do it. You know, yeah. I, I hope that that's not, but I, I feel like it's so, um, reading what he said about the frailty of these of these things and beliefs and the fragility of them of morality and right and wrong and even going back to fucking Davy and Goliath when he's like yeah you know yeah. he he let you do that and you did it so yeah. whose fault is it really you know mm-hmm. who's responsible for these things really is it god the angel or me for doing it you know yeah it's a it's, i mean it's there's a lot of very very interesting very deep very um hard and scary discussions <laughs> conversations yeah. yeah i think um one thing we can all agree on though is that very shortly we should make a trip to brisket texas <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's all from us at pod mortem what would you rate frailty and what should we watch next let us know on twitter at the pod mortem don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Thanks again to Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Gitter patrons. And remember, be careful of the seeds you plant. You never know what they could bloom into. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo, yeah! <laughs> <There you go. laughs> special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Nuding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Cow OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Hagera, William and Zena Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Andy Terrell, Jason Hanavan, ML Tafoya, Abigail Spitzer, Katie K, Erica Morin, 
Cameron S., Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jenton, Carrie A., Lonnie Lono, Powell, Kayla E., Maggie H., Fernando Dominguez, Murderstina, No Thanks Tom Hanks, Kevin McGonagall, Kristen Marcy, Ori81 Boricua, and Look Like That One Girl. Thank you. Thank you. What a list. Thank you so much. We love and appreciate each and every one of you. And we hope that you are so proud of yourself that you give yourself a hand. Yeah. Like that serial killer. Oh. (laughs) 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 Too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time.